Hey, I'm Steve Young, and you're watching the Letterman Podcast. I hope you enjoy. Welcome once again to the Letterman Podcast. My name is Mike Chisholm. I'm excited about this episode. Now, now this episode is a long one. It's a huge one. But that being said, uh, I'm excited about... I'm excited. The reason it's a long one is we had a hangout. Uh, and it's the first time that we really did that. I, I'm a podcast enthusiast uh, of all sorts of... Uh, there's all sorts of shows that I enjoy uh, in this medium. And, and one thing that I do enjoy is when you have a podcast that's been established for a little while, and then friends of that show just come in and have a bit of a hangout. And that's what this episode is. So it's a long one. We're not going to split it up into two parts. It's just, it's just uh, uh, you know, uh, three people, uh, two people, and then three, then it becomes three uh, people hanging out, talking about Letterman and stuff. And, and, and it is a new guest, um, but you can tell right away that it's, um, I'm a little bit more relaxed than I normally am because Adam Unger is a buddy of mine. He, he is. And, and I really appreciate Adam Unger. Now, who is Adam Unger? Well, we do give him a bit of an intro in, in the actual show itself, but uh, the Coles Notes version of it is he's Warren Zevon's official historian. Warren Zevon, of course, a long storied history with Late Night and Late Show with David Letterman. Um, you know, absolute, uh, a part of the David Letterman mythos. Whenever Paul Schaefer, of course, would take time off, Warren would lead the band. Warren made countless appearances on Late Night and Late Show with David Letterman. Uh, I just really enjoyed, um, I just really enjoyed uh, Warren's place um, in, in, and, and, and when he passed away um, way too young, it was, um, it was a major blow for those of us who love the, the company of David Letterman and company. And, and it was uh, a very emotional time when that happened and and the stories around that we get into some of that in the show uh with adam here uh adam warren War is warren's official historian he and i are very similar in many 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 ways and uh uh we're just buddies and 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 so we get together we start shooting the bull this is kind of the first tilling of the earth of a warren zevon episode but uh, we're gonna have jordan zevon warren's son on the show here uh moving forward we're not exactly sure when that is but that's going to happen Adam is Adam talks a lot a lot about projects that they have going on. Very very cool. Uh, one of the things, and it happens at the end of the episode. Some of you might not make it to the end of the episode. It's two and a half hours long. Um, you can reach him at adam at warrenzevon.com. Now, um, he basically said if if anybody out there has any rare things about Warren or or or, or collectibles or stories about Warren, you can reach out to him there. Um, I can tell you that they're working on some box set stuff. We talk a little bit about that in this episode and I'm going to just let it unfold for you. Um, you know, I'm going to try and keep this intro as short as I possibly can, but there is a couple other pieces of business that we need to do. One other piece of business that we need to do, uh, over the holidays, by the way, this episode uh, was shot before the holidays and there's a few things in it that have come to pass since then. Uh, I talk about the Foo Fighters shirt that I love so much that I've now got the Foo Fighters shirt. Check out the video on YouTube that we have showing me getting unboxing, unwrapping the, the, the Foo Fighters shirt from Dan Flaherty. Again, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, we're going to be working on a campaign to get the Foo Fighters on this show. And um, uh, we talk about uh, Darlene Love. At that point there, I thought maybe Darlene Love might come on the Letterman podcast. Uh, I've since said that, you know, I've gotten some emails from her and we've, we've gone back and forth and and probably we'll, we'll shoot something this year here kind of reviewing things, which will be cool because then we can go through her career and not just focus on the Christmas of stuff. Um, but anyway, and there's a few other things we talk about um, in this hang that we do, we, you know, uh, so, so just so you're aware, uh, it was shot before the holidays. Now, um, over the holidays, 
uh, I had a, a great kick out of a handful of folks who discovered our show for the first time. It was very, very cool to get messages from some people who do appreciate uh, both the deep dive and Letterman and the idea that that's what this show is all about. And we do want to deep dive and, and, and then celebrate and build a community, all of that stuff. Uh, this episode being part of that community, you know, we just want to hang out and talk about stuff. I, I hope that we can do more of these episodes. Now, that being said, um, one of the people who discovered our show really, really likes it. So I'm sorry for those of you who are annoyed by me. That's just fuel for my fire. Uh, he absolutely loves the uh, all of the episodes from the beginning, uh, awkward ones before we started to find our voice. Uh, some would say that we still are looking for our voice. That might be true. Anyway, his name is Andrew Azer. Andrew Azer, A-Z-E-R. Or in Canada, as we say, A-Z-E-R. What is it, Azer? I think so. Andrew Azer. He lives in Massachusetts. He reached out to me after having dis discovered our show and said uh, that he's been binging it. And, and, and I mean, you know, dude's pretty impressive. I think he's 60 something episodes in. Uh, it's pretty impressive that he, he, he could do that. And he's, he's very excited about it uh, and, and messages me uh, little details from each episode that he appreciated and that sort of a thing. Um, amazing guy, uh, college professor. And uh, I just I just really appreciate the fact that this is where these connections are starting to form now. We've got a couple of episodes with community members coming out soon. Uh, but he, Andrew, uh, is being highlighted in this episode of the Letterman Podcast because he discovered something. Now, for our listeners of the show, I'm sorry. I'm going to try and figure something out for the listeners, the people who listen to this thing audio-wise. Uh, join the Facebook group. Let us know if, you, if, you're, if you're a listener to the show rather than a viewer. The Spotify video and the uh, YouTube uh, certainly get an advantage because of the show and tell stuff that we do. This episode has a lot of show and tell in it. Um, however, Andrew discovered something that we have done from, I don't even know when it was. Uh, you know, it'd be fun to find out which episode we, we did this for the first time. But right now in the bottom corner of my Zoom screen, it says Mike Chisholm. Normally it says the Letterman podcast with Mike Chisholm. Now, most people or nobody has has caught on to the fact or at least uh confronted me with by catching on with the fact that we spelled podcast wrong in the vast majority of our episodes we changed the spelling of podcast every single episode and um <laughs> two people noticed it when the camera light when the record light was off the first was bill carter which uh i i thought might shake the first impression but now he was cool with it when we when he realized that we do this for every show and the second one was eddie brill um, and both of them didn't say anything about it publicly. So I just left it. Andrew one day, uh, messages me and I forget what episode he was on. And he said, Hey, did you know that podcast is spelt wrong in the, in this episode? And I'm like, yeah, I sure, I sure did buddy. Uh, you're the first one to confront us about it. So you are getting yourself a late show with David Letterman rejection postcard, a real bonafide late show with David Letterman, uh, uh, rejection card. We're going to send that to you. Congratulations. Thank you very much for, um, the patronage of your ear holes and your eyeballs on this show. We thank you so much for that. And um, just excited for this uh, for this new year that we are in, excited uh, for the inventive, uh, different types of episodes that we want to put out this year. And uh, we got a lot of, lot, of, lot of surprises in store. A lot, of, a lot of irons in the fire, as they like to say. So um, this episode of the Letterman Podcast, of course, brought to you by hello-deli.com. Go to hello-deli.com. 
uh, correspond with Rupert G. Buy yourself some Late Show with David Letterman merchandise, mugs and hats and all sorts of fun stuff and T-shirts and all the good stuff from hello-deli.com. Uh, please enjoy this episode with Adam Unger and special appearance by Don Giller. Adam Unger, um, I am so excited about this because for a variety of reasons, nice mug, by the way, sir. Go to hello-deli.com. You want to buy a mug like this, right from <laughs> Rupert. Um, dude, this is this is this is gonna be the best, in my opinion, one of the best Letterman podcasts we've ever had because it's just you and I shooting the bull. We're gonna I want to just give you a bit of an intro. Uh, this is Warren Zevon's guy. What does that mean? Well, we're gonna get into that tonight. Exactly the definition in this case of the word guy we're gonna figure that out um and and uh but we might do that by way of a few other very cool interesting detours like what this guy is to the band queen yeah he's something to the band queen he's not just warren zevon's guy also he and i may discuss a little bit of pro wrestling so this is going to be friendship like you're going to be seeing friendship in motion plus uh full disclosure uh, and i haven't talked about this very much on this podcast sorry adam please thank you for indulging me here um, you know, the idea that we want to create a Letterman podcast network, we want to create some communities, uh, of like-minded people who were affected by all of the late show, uh, or Letterman mythos, uh, Warren Zevon, certainly a big part of that. Um, and, and, and I'm just really, really stoked that, um, you and I found each other cause I'm kind of wanting to be the Letterman guy. You got yourself into being Warren Zevon's guy. I want to talk to you about that. Um, so I just wanted to give a, a you know, normally I, I reshoot these, but tonight, because we got the Facebook live going and whatnot, I wanted to kind of do it live. I'm stoked that you and I are brothers from another mother. And the first time we talked on the phone, it was hours and it was just this great thing. It's great that we're finally doing this. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen of the Letterman podcast uh, audience. This is Adam Unger. Hi, buddy. Hi. Thanks for having me. And um, <clears throat> we talked for months about doing this and um, we almost did it one day. You got a hold of me and said, hey, um, I need a guest for this week. Yeah. And I wasn't able to do it because I had something going on with my kids. Yep. I think we had gymnastics class or baseball or something. Yep. And the next episode was Dick Cavett. So I guess, was I the person keeping Dick Cavett from being on the show? And <laughs> is this supposed to be Dick Cavett part two? And he got bumped because I was available? Um, um, I hope absolutely. not. Because absolutely. Because everyone's going to be angry with me if I preempted dick cavett <laughs> uh no you know what um dick cavett was uh one of those little things that i can't believe kind of stayed a secret uh don giller knew uh mm, walter knows kim, everything. walter kim knew uh with with pants um you know because i that was one i wanted to kind of make sure i you know it not that it wouldn't have been fine but i i, I make sure with some of them that we're, we're cool um and I get advice on that. So, so yeah, they were aware of it as well, but I don't think, did I tell you, I told you, didn't you I? Didn't. I no, didn't tell no. you. Yeah. You kept that secret from me too. Yeah. I'll yeah, hold that, was, that against you. Uh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, I mean, uh, Dick, anything with Dick Cavett is a good one. And, and so, but I'm really, really excited. One of the things I want to talk about today, by the way, is um, cause you know, Jordan Zivon is going to be coming on the show. Yep. Um, And, and we're excited about that. I want to do a bit of a bio of Jordan, obviously Warren's son, obviously, you know, the wallflowers connection, obviously, uh, you know, recording. Um, oh, well, maybe, maybe not so obviously a lot of folks may not know that he's, you know, uh, an artist in his own right. And, 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 and so I want to really make sure we introduce the audience to him that way as well, yep. but it connects directly to what you're doing. 
So there's a little uh, preview for the audience. Let's talk about you. Did you start with Queen first and then move over to Warren Zevon? Was it vice versa? Where did you get into this? What do you do now? And where did you get into uh, being the guy as I'm aspiring to be the guy in a certain way for pants? How did you do it? It's a it's a long, weird story that um, isn't terribly interesting, but we'll tell it anyway. Since it is we to have me, time. my friend. It is to um, me. So I grew up being a Queen fan. Queen was kind of the first band I got into being you know, 11, 12 years old. Yeah, um, that's a result of Wayne's World. Yeah, um, I think everyone around my age—that's how they discovered the band. Um, and I think Beatles have fans like this too, where they're almost obsessive about it. Where they get every version of every album, different mixes and the B sides and edits. And you know, that's Will Lee and John show. Giller, by the way, that you're describing right there. They have yeah. both of that with the Beatles for certain. Yeah. So that's me with Queen. Yep. And um, it went from starting at 12 years old now 30 years later hmm. and i got introduced or connected with their official archivist um his name is greg brooks he works for the band and uh, we first connected around 2005 or so yeah. um the band was looking to put a compilation together of their singles and b-sides yep um so we we first met that way go ahead another 10 years to 2017 um, Queen and Adam Lambert are going on tour in America, and I'm I'm immediately irritated that there's no new Queen product to support that. And why would you have this big tour and not have a product available for the American audience? Something, something. related to America, something. So um, I sat down, I I bought my tickets, and then I designed probably about five different product concepts fully, um, and sent them to him. And he remembered who I was, and he loved what I did, and he kept asking for more input and some of this stuff didn't make it to the band's uh, management and was considered, but more so it started a relationship that at the same time, the queen movie was going on um, yep. that was being filmed. And a lot of his time was being occupied by dealing with the minutia of Hollywood and props yep. and anything queen related. <clears throat> so at the time, uh, Virgin music was licensing out the queen catalog to a company called Diagostini in Italy. Um, so it was a set of 25 vinyl records and each record came with like a nine page book. Yep. And he was probably about halfway through writing the text for those books. And he sent me an email one day and said, I just can't figure this sentence out or this paragraph out for one of the albums. Mm -hmm. um, tell me what you think. And being pretentious, I rewrote the thing and sent it back to him. Also, what an is, opportunity. What an opportunity. I happened to be off work that day. I got that email. And I sent back a response right away. He liked what I did. He said, great, um, we'll credit you on that. Mm. And then he said, well, here's the ones we have done so far. Take a look at them and tell me what you think. And one, one thing of, of credit I will give him, he's very open to outside suggestion. And if it's better, that's what he goes with. And he doesn't have an ego about him. That's how um, we improve, right? It, it is. Um, he said to me, if we're going to work together, we need to be completely honest. And if it's bad, it's bad. If it's good, it's good. So um, I gave feedback to the ones he did already. He said, I could use your help for the remaining 12 albums. So the final 12 albums of that set, um, I got to help write the okay. booklet for it. Okay. Is this yeah. at this point here, how old are you when this happens? Uh, 37. 37. Okay. <laughs> you tell 21-year-old Adam mm -hmm. that this is going to happen in like 15 years 
it would blow his mind. Okay. Um, okay. I, and this I, I is something that you and I, this is something you and I have a lot of these moments where you tell the 21 year old version of ourselves, this would happen. You and I have both. I think one of the things we have in common is we have a lot of both of those kinds of moments, great opportunities, right? That have so, led to mind blowing moments. So yes, unbelievable. So you are the credited in how many of the 19 albums, 19 books. So like 16, uh, 13, 17 of them, 13 oh. or so. And that led to another gig. There was an official Freddie Mercury book that came out called a life in his own words. Yep. Um, so I worked with a team and Greg sent me a bunch of interviews to go through and then sent a ton of audio interviews. So yep. I've listened to literally hundreds of hours of Freddie Mercury audio interviews and it was transcribed for the book. That's that amazing. Led, it is amazing. And I got really interesting access and it was interesting to see how Freddie reacted against different interviewers or depending on what mood he was in. Yep. Um, he was a pretty private person. So when he was comfortable with someone, it was a much different version of him. It was a lot more candid. Um, and to everyone listening, we will get to David Letterman. Oh, eventually, but we're going to get <laughs> to Warren Zevon. No, 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 no. Um, uh, we're going to get to Warren Zevon too, though. Um, that led to an opportunity to do a box set, um, Queen's album from 1989 called The Miracle. Can I ask a question um, about Freddie first? Can I ask you? Yeah, can, sure. can I jump in and ask? Um, sure. Okay, so, so, so one thing that's come up on this show a bunch of times talking about musicians is that um, or, or people that Dave has interviewed that might be um, on, on more the infamous side than the famous side. Sure. Warren is part of that crew. Yeah. I mean, times. I think Warren's a guy on the edge, but then you got a guy like Kanye, sure. you know, um, but the, the, the example I use in Kanye is probably an extreme example of it. I mean, you could use softer examples too, like Chappelle would be a good one um, that folks who are that high level of an artist. Okay. And Warren's certainly on that list. Uh, but of course, Freddie Mercury, like, mm -hmm. might be the top of the list sure. when it comes to that. If you are to accept the genius that they put out there, we need to give a bigger width and breadth for the fact that they are such an artist that may live in the moment at that emotion at that time or whatever, and give them sort of a, a wider highway when it comes to communicating because these people get misunderstood. Freddie would be an example of that. I think so. Um, being a private person and mm -hmm. also someone I think wasn't interested in talking about himself. Right. Um, I think he saw he, outwardly, he said his work was disposable and it was a product. Freddie um, Mercury said that. Yes. It was like a big razor blade. It was disposable. I don't think he believed that, but I think it was a good defense mechanism um, in wow. interviews. And I just don't think it's something he enjoyed very much. Um, I think he liked the fame. He liked the money. He liked the attention. Yeah. I don't think he liked the the pretense or the fakeness of what an interview is. He didn't really want to sit around and talk 15 minutes about Bohemian Rhapsody, which he might have written 15 years ago. Right, so right, 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 right. I, I just don't think that was part of the job he really enjoyed. Um, with that being said, there are interviewers he enjoyed being around. And there's a difference when he was in an interview with the rest of the band. Um, yep. He was a lot more open and it wasn't all focused on him. And it got to be spread around a little bit. Gotcha. Um, also, would he have been a character like like that, that's the one thing I, I want to know about some of these people like like I want to talk to Colbert. Colbert obviously played a character forever, mm -hmm. you know, and then he comes over to Late Show. Is he another character right now? Is it the real deal? Um, Freddie would be one that I would I, I would say, you know what, when he's in band mode, he probably gets into character and just, you know, that's he's he's a pro. He's an expert. He's you know, that, that he's that darn good. 
Um, I think in private life, though, private life, he was quiet, unassuming. Yeah. He had his close group, met a, met, you know, group of friends. Um, sound like then, anybody we know? <laughs> sounds like a lot about someone we know, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, maybe seems like, like they're aloof to others. Yeah. Um, but also with Freddie, there's another aspect of that where you're looking at someone um, who is gay um, at yep. a time where that's not accepted. Um, and then you have a situation later in his life, he's dealing with having HIV and AIDS, Yeah. Um, which, you know, if you grew up at that time and can remember, there was a huge stigma about it. Um, that affected and, the late night crew, by the way. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you know, a lot of, a lot of real under the, under the armor uh, parallels here. Yeah. And, you know, you New know, York. It's a, thing, it's a thing with him. It's not only protecting himself, his friends, his family, yep. his career, his bandmates. Um, you know, they ran into some trouble in the mid 80s in the U.S. where they weren't as accepted. Yeah. Um, you know, they had a video where they dressed in drag and that did not go down well for the MTV audience. And, you know, stuff like that affects a career. Um, thankfully, we're past that um, and it's more accepting. But at the time, yep. that wasn't the case. So I think that's why he was guarded a lot of the time. Did that happen with Queen? Was there a, was there a backlash against Queen? Yeah, um, big time. So, huh? Probably there. I thought it was height. a cooling off period, and Wayne's World brought it back. It was a long cooling off period. It was about a twelve year cooling off period. Um, oh. They had a huge album, nineteen eighty, with the game. Um, yeah. It went to number one. Had two number one hits with yep. another one, bites the dust, and crazy little thing called love. Yeah. Uh, the the follow up iconic. Both of those iconic, iconic songs. And you couldn't find two more different songs. Um, no but then you go to yeah. the next album, which was released the same year, which is the Flash Gordon soundtrack, yeah. which is not a an album you listen to in the car with your friends. It's it's a real movie soundtrack, and it's not really accessible. That's followed up with basically a dance disco album called Hot Space. Yeah. That was not accepted well. Um, they went to a different record company, uh, Capitol Records. There was a payola scheme issue with um, Capitol at the time. Um, anyway... The next album, The Works, was doing well, but it kind of fell off the, the radar. Yep. Um, they released a few more albums, and it really wasn't until he died that they came back into prominence. Um, they were kind of seen, in the U.S. at least, as just an old classic rock band, whereas in the rest of the world, um, they were still the elite. Um, it also didn't help they didn't tour here after 1982 with Freddie. So that, that kind of didn't help. It, it became a chicken or egg situation. They're not right. touring until there's a big hit and they're not going to have a big hit until they tour again. So now it just that being said, away. was it live aid that brought them back or was that a false start? Um, I think that's overstated, especially in the U S yeah. um, the movie kind of plays it off differently. Um, they were touring throughout 1985. They were in Japan yep. a yep. few weeks before live aid. Um, obviously live aid was a big shot in the arm to them because they did have an incredible performance. Yep. Um, and that led them to go back in the studio after they were going to take a bit of a break. Yep. But for those people that saw Live Aid in the US on MTV, part of their performance was eaten up by commercial time. So they performed like three songs and they came back in midway. Yeah. Uh, we were Rocky or something. So that says something. I, yeah. Yeah. They that went to commercial something. during Queen. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. They, they just, they, they were kind of a thing of the past and they weren't the in thing at the time. Um, uh, uh, Freddie was in, was Freddie in, um, oh, what's it, was it called? 
uh, all they want for Christmas time. Remember the We Are the World? There was the British equivalent oh, of it. Freddie was in that, wasn't Band-Aid, he? Band Aid. The Band Aid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, yeah. Um, do they know it's Christmas? Do they know no. it's Christmas? Um, they were invited to take part, but I think they were on tour with their album gotcha. The Works at the time. Gotcha. Um, Bob Geldof, the you know guy who runs yep. who ran Live Aid and, and that whole charity thing, is really close with Roger Taylor, the drummer yep. from Queen. Yep. Um, Speaking of which, Roger performed on the 30th anniversary edition of that song that came out a few years ago. So um, regardless, no, they were not part of that. Um, they were busy doing their own thing at the time. Yeah. Um, there was Wayne's also World. some... But, oh, oh go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. I've got a, I've got a question that's going to take it in a different direction. So what was... There was some backlash at the time, too, with the band because they performed at Sun City. Um, right. Of course, that was a big UN hotspot. Um artists were encouraged not to perform in Sun City. There yep. were a few that went against the UN mandate. Queen was one of them. Yeah. Um, because it was a really big paycheck. And it probably hurt them um in terms of public opinion, but um it was a big paycheck and, and I understand that. Do you remember the song I Ain't Gonna Play Sun City? Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. I I uh God, I appreciate taking this rabbit hole with you here. Um now when you talk about uh Wayne's World um, mm -hmm. I, and again, this is where you and I are like, again, right on the same parallel. Um, Don Giller might join us tonight, just so you're aware. He may, oh, he excellent. may jump in with us. Yeah. Um, if we're just shooting the shit and uh, he feels like it, he's, uh, oof, man, he's working on something pretty crazy for our episode 100. And I just couldn't, I can't thank him enough uh, for that, but he may pop in with us. But my question is, is it, this, is it Dick Cavett? Is Dick Cavett episode 100? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll, 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 I'll start teasing it now. Uh, yeah. Don Giller is not building... on, it's Dick Cavett. <laughs> i feel like you might be part of this thing dude like seriously <laughs> especially once we get into a couple little zevon factoids uh don is building a compilation of the letterman podcast and oh, so excellent. far it's probably going to be a two or three parter um he's looking for a script for you by the way he just commented on the facebook live so he is watching right now good, or not he good. yeah to i, I did put don to work on come on buddy come on in the water's warm we're gonna talk warren zevon um and by the way, uh, Don Giller sent me a picture that Dan Kellison gave to us uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I sent it to you because I knew it was a Zevon thing, and um, you identified the back of the album cover in the picture. So that was oh yeah, that was really here. cool. So yeah, um, I'm just getting that because Don's watching on the Facebook, and now it feels like worlds are colliding. This is great. This is the first time we've ever done this. Thank you for doing this with us. Um, let's go from uh, okay. I have in my head around the same time that Freddie Mercury died within six months to a year, Wayne's world's out. Am I, yeah, am I um, wrong, right or wrong with that? He died November of 91. I want to say Wayne's world probably came out in April, March or April of 92. Okay. So confluence of events, I would think where one kind of, where, you know, we always uh, re-examine the artist when they're gone. And, and, and there are many people who are, Johnny come lately's or whatever, but I just remember high school. Um, I would put akin to back then there were two bands that kids were discovering that their parents loved. One of them was the doors and the other one was queen. And to yeah. me, that's like when somebody, you know, like in high school now discovers Nirvana or they discover, you know, the chili peppers or even green day or something like Billy Eilish was on, she, uh, on Letterman's thing. And she talked about how much she loves green day uh, to me those two things are would be like on an SAT exam, they would be kind of comparable to each other. Is that 
there's a lot there's an interesting confluence of things that happened around that time too yeah so you have him dying which of course is a big media event you know a rock star aids yep. um you have wayne's world yeah um then you have the Huge. Mercury tribute Huge. yeah that video was number one when they were in that gremlin yeah like yes. that was that was massive you saw it, like you saw that all summer it was everywhere it was number one on mtv and much music up here in canada like that song was everywhere what's interesting the song went to number two in the u.s that mm -hmm. year in 92 um i think before that when it was originally released it only went to number nine there you go which is incredible um but at the same time you have the freddie mercury tribute concert which happens um yes. also in april so yes. that's a real interesting thing because that was all over mtv and then you had artists like Elton John, I was just gonna Guns say the Roses, very famous Extreme, Elton John performance. Yep. Um, Metallica, Seal, Lisa Stansfield, George Michael, um, Def Leppard. Um, so anyone who was anyone at that time, including current popular artists like Metallica. They were an artist who loved Queen. Yeah, exactly. And that yep. kind of made it okay and opened up the door to kind of get into their music a little bit easier. So yeah. if Metallica is performing Queen songs, well, maybe I might like Queen too. So I think right. that played a big part of it too. Oh man, I love I love talking about this with you. Now, okay. Uh what else do we need to know about Queen and how do we bridge it to uh obviously obviously <laughs> you're you're gathering experience. So when you start with Zevon, you know, you've already got a bunch of experience in the head and you you've got ideas and, and all these sorts of things. So you had direction already. How did the bridge happen? In terms of how I became a Zevon fan or how I got to end up doing this? Both, man. Yeah, even... like I want to know how you went from being the guy that Queen is starting to depend on and working and collaborate with. Um, why Warren Zevon and how did it did it, did it develop? So my fandom of Zevon started, it, it, it kind of false started four or five times okay. before it actually sunk in. Yep. Um, I'm sure as us being similar age, um, we both stayed up real late and we watched TV and we were allowed to, and it was great. Yes. Um, my, my sister and we weren't meet... allowed to sometimes. That's right. Yes. The, the deal was my sister would go to her friend's house and I was allowed to use her room, yep. which had a tape deck and a TV. Right. And in, you know, 1989, that was a big deal. Yes. So I'd stay up and for Saturday Night Live, yep. um, was getting hot, red yep. hot at the time. Yep. Enough so that Wayne's World became a movie. Um, and the other thing, Arsenio Hall was a huge deal. Absolutely. Um, his show God, ran from watching what, Arsenio. 89 to 94. Yep. And his show was so accessible. Yep. Um, because in retrospect, Carson is amazing. And we love Carson. Yeah. But at 10 or 11 years old, to me, Johnny Carson was something my grandparents watched. Yeah. And there wasn't a version of that for younger people. Yes. And Arsenio kind of broke that open. And the interesting thing is when I was done watching Arsenio, I was caffeinated on Mountain Dew and had Doritos <laughs> in me. And at 1230, it was late. God, I miss the 90s, brother. Yeah. Well, this is late 80s and early 90s. Yeah. No, I miss it. I miss it. But then it. it became, there was nothing else on. And yep. the only other thing was late night. Yeah. And um, we'll finally talk about Letterman a little bit. I know. The tone of late night, and I'm not going to say anything unique here that has been said in your other 90-some episodes. Say it anyway. The, the The tone was so unique compared to everything else. Yes. Um, even from the show opening, you had this weird droning synth and the camera going down the street through the yep. buildings. Yep. There's a dog. and uh, It's amazing. And yeah. then the show opens. You have this really weird band that's like, it's all Moog synthesizer and rock. And then Lettering comes out. 
And compared to what I'd seen from Arsenio, uh, which again, I think Arsenio is amazing. I think he did yep. a great job Ab- with both versions Absolutely. of his show. But Dave just came out with an unreal confidence. And so I you like Letterman realized... before you like Zevon. Uh, Harvey Goldberg just yeah. popped on. I want to say hi to him. And I just want to say that you like Letterman before you like Zevon. Yes. Interesting. Yep. Okay. Thank you. I just wanted that distinction there. Because uh, I yeah. also accessed Warren Zevon through Letterman in many, many, many respects. I think a lot of us have. Just like yeah, you big... came along to Queen with Wayne's World. To me, both those things, what they have in common is fresh perspective. It starts to collide a little bit yeah. as we go forward too. But, yeah. Um, it got to be, I loved watching Dave because, yeah. you know, even being 11 or 12 years old, it was really easy to break down the show because yeah. I knew after that monologue, there's going to be something wacky that would happen. It'll be stupid Petrix or the top 10 list yeah. or something wrong would happen in the show. And Dave would make fun of it the whole night. Um, he might have a horrible guest, which was awesome to watch because he would just skewer them. Yeah. Or if it was a guest that he absolutely loved, like Terry Gar, <laughs> yeah. the show was amazing because I he just got watched incredible- her. I just watched her compilation from Don Giller, the Terry Gar stuff. Yes. If you haven't seen David Letterman, Terry Gar, Don Giller has like, I believe it's a six part deal. Uh, like yeah. it is. And it's an evolution watching from the beginning to the end. You see them both age. It is trippy. And it's yeah. also extremely entertaining. I apologize for interrupting, buddy. No, you're fine. Um, but then he also had prime time specials. Yes. Oh, the prime time so specials. Oh, they were yes. so good. I was they allowed so to watch those because we were up, uh, you know, my parents would watch them with me. Yeah, so they. Yeah. I think it was like Thursday night. Um, the tenth anniversary one came on. Yep. Um, because I yep. remember the bumper. Dave came on and said, "I feel, uh, I feel just as sick as you do about preempting LA law." And I'm <laughs> like, that is such a great line. Um, because I think if I think Cheers wasn't on, and yeah. whatever, I think Wings or whatever came after Cheers at the time, and it was yep. so good. And we taped it, and my dad and I would watch it, and we would cry from laughing so hard. Yes. Um. Yes. And, th- and then of course. He went to CBS and we started taping the shows at that point. Before we get Go there, ahead. can I ask you, can I ask you, and again, yeah. you and I have not pre-done this at all, which is exactly the genius. Like, again, we're watching two friends just shoot the shit, everybody. Uh, it just happens to be there will be a lot of Letterman and stuff as the collateral of us just shooting the shit. Um, oh, God, I forgot the question. <laughs> I had it there, the preemption. Um, 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 this is um, where live streaming doesn't work well on Facebook. This is where we need an editor. Oh, no, I'm keeping it in. I love it. I love showing that I get brain farts when it comes to this stuff. Um, it'll come back to me. Okay, so, uh, shit. Nothing like dead silence. Yeah. I, I was know. talking about going to CBS. <laughs> yeah, but I wanted to talk about... Oh, yes, thank you. You did it. Um, you lifted the car out of the pothole. Thank you so much. Um, so, I have a memory of... On a Thursday night, a similar preemption, uh, but not a Letterman. It was the Comedy Store. I think it was the 15-year special. Did you see that? Howie Mandel, uh, 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 Yakov Smirnoff, um, 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 (laughs) and Letterman did a set. And he brought a special top 10 list. And that was another moment, just like those anniversary shows that I loved. I loved when he would appear on something else because it happened so rarely. I was going to say, it's amazing to me that he would do that because the that doesn't seem like something they would have done. Exactly. And then there was a Bob Costas interview. Um, if you're going to watch it, everybody oh, on watch. Later. Oh, it's yeah. Great. And then, and then it's, it's a raw version of it too. On Don Giller's Don yes. Giller's got the raw version of, you know, the, the Costas interview and it is fantastic. I just wanted to note those two things I think were seminal for me. Um, and in late night memories, 
the, the, the anniversary specials for sure, because they caught you up on older stuff. Also, the only thing I wanted to add otherwise, were you aware of Lawler and Kaufman um, by that point? Was that another one of those moments where, okay, so no, you weren't. So that was no, another big one for me before he moved to CBS, the, the Lawler thing. Because we're yeah, both wrestling been, fans. We're both big wrestling fans. We are big wrestling fans. I don't say that out loud very often, but I am. Um, I didn't become <laughs> aware of the Lawler thing until years and years later. Um, but it's interesting to see him on other shows. Um, yeah. Because you can tell how uncomfortable he is being interviewed on Costas. And you can tell he respects Costas so much, and that's why he's yep. doing the show. And he yep. does a great interview with Costas. Yep. But during all the commercial breaks, you can tell he he's hating everything of it. Or he, it uh, seems as though he's uncomfortable. Absolutely. By the way, Don Giller says that the Comedy Store special was in uh, 88. Um, I, I'll tell you this. Thanks, Don. Yeah, thank you, buddy. Um, I uh, And he, by the way, Don Giller loves to be called buddy. Loves that. Buddy. Uh, <laughs> um, um, Honorary Canadian. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he could run the place. I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certain he could, um, but anyway, yeah. So, so, so then the move to CBS, which is another, again, uh, Zinneman talked about that when he was on the show, he said that people who were in high school when the late shift happened or early college, it's seared in their brain differently than it's seared in other people's brains. Was that, were you aware of it as it was happening? And did you jump on the Letterman train yes. at that point? Me too. Absolutely. It was huge so, for me. I was a teenager by that point. Yeah. And. Leno was projected as being such a villain. Yes. And such the first like, time he was. Yeah. <laughs> the first time he was. And to me, he just seemed like a dork. I didn't want to watch that show. Right. Because, and I think Jimmy Fallon gets a lot of the same flack now. Um, Fallon did a really good interview where he said he does his show the way he does because he wants everyone on the show to win. He wants everyone yeah. who comes on to get across well yep. and win and do well. Yeah, Letterman isn't quite like that. With Letterman, you need to come on and you need to perform. You need to earn your spot to be on that show. And if you earn it, you're going to get something real yep. special. Yes. And also with Dave, if it's someone that he personally likes, yep. Warren would be one, which we'll talk about that moment. Yeah, later. absolutely. Um, Terry Gar comes to mind. Yep. Obviously, Robin Williams. But it's also someone like a Peter LaSalle who's not used to being on camera. God Dave will take care of that person and it'll be an amazing interview. Um, he has this is where we connect on. everybody. Adam and I are both gigantic yeah. Peter LaSalle fans. And for those out there who are in the same boat, you understand the appreciation that we have for this guy. He is, uh, I mean, I, I, I've heard that he's not really uh, perhaps up to do a, uh, to do a zoom. Um, I do have a couple ins there and, and, and I, I, I would very much, I, I'll tell you this. I, there's one thing I want to talk to Peter LaSalle about. It's Jack Rollins. Um, yeah. You know, Dave's Dave's legendary manager. Um, I, I don't want to plug another podcast, but there's a Carson podcast, which is yes. how I came across you, by the way. There was a, oh, a lot of... are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. You yep. Mark, Mark Malkoff's episode is how you found us out? Well, it was more of, I really liked um, the Bill Carter episodes. Yeah. So I started searching Bill Carter for podcasts. And I'm yeah. like, oh, there's a Letterman podcast too. So that was oh it. Oh my God. The late shift. There it is right there. Uh, also, there's a parallel seminal. And also it's what brought us together. Uh, just to go back to Arsenio for a second. I think with Arsenio, he, for the first time gave me permission to like two talk shows um, because to me, Letterman and Carson were under the same sort of 
I wouldn't call them one talk show, but it's like Godfather one, Godfather two sure. and Godfather two is the one that I just absolutely, you know, and, 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 and so, but that being said, um, then you like Arsenio, like along the way, my golden age of talk shows, my golden age is Dave on late show, Craig Ferguson and Conan on TBS. That's yeah. my, that's I, every single episode every night, um, a lot of the time and definitely DVR'd and caught up on everything. Um, I think Arsenio gave our generation permission not to be a, cause some people were a Dick Cavett guy or a Johnny Carson guy, you know, and, and, and that certainly wouldn't have happened with me growing up. I would have worshiped everything that those guys did safe to sure. safe to say we match on that. Yeah, I'd say so. I think the whole Dave and Jay thing kind of made it that way though, going forward. Um, yeah. So, but w- when he moved to CBS, it was a yeah. huge event, obviously. Yep. And the show was so fantastic. And as I said, when he got a guest that he really liked and enjoyed, it, it made such a big difference. Yes. He had um, a guest on, I-, I can't remember the gentleman's name, Don will jump in, he'll know. But um, he-, he was someone who was on the autistic spectrum. And I think it w- he was on a documentary called Brain Man. And it's someone who could um, do math in his head. He could recite Pi, you know, for hours on end. Yep. And it was such a charming interview with Dave. Um, because he was genuinely interested in the person, he helped him out on the show, and it was a fascinating back and forth. And to me, it's an it's an interview like that. It's why I became a Dave guy, not a Jay guy, because it's not something I don't think Jay could have done. Because Jay's not a broadcaster, and that's the right. big difference with Dave. He is a broadcaster. He just yep. happens to be a comedian too. And it's a completely different mindset. Um, and again, growing up, I loved staying up and watching um tom snyder after dave oh god and, absolutely shout out to Anne marie by the way Anne marie's gonna be that? part of our group Anne marie's gonna oh, be part great. of our group when i talk about this the idea of a letter and podcast network and other and special projects and all that we've, we're assembling a group around this thing and uh she's gonna be one that gets invited into that fold as well she's awesome. got a uh, some cool stuff with Anne marie snyder so thanks for bringing up tom that's yeah. fantastic and the great thing with tom and dave eulogized tom perfectly yeah. and Dave falls in this category too. It didn't matter who's on the show. You yes. watch it because it was Tom. You watch yes. it because it was Dave. Um, I do that to so. an extent with Rogan now. Yeah. Yep. yep. You know, Rogan's I mean, fantastic. Yeah. Elon Musk the other day. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. Oh yeah. Totally controversial at times, but unapologetic about it. Does yeah. That again, sound like someone we know, you know, um, um, sensitive. Like, and, and I mean, you know, he's got ways around it and he's got, uh, you know, he doesn't look at comments and things like that, but still totally sensitive about, about stuff. Then the, the Neil Young thing killed him. And, you know, yeah. he put out a, he put out a, a beautiful, humble video about it. So yeah. Anyway. So um, I, I, I think there's a lot of similarities with, with, with Rogan and Letterman as well. Ones that go way below the surface. He's my number one guy for uh, my next guest. If, if Dave could talk to anybody on this planet, I would want him to talk to Joe Rogan. Um, because you know it would be a a, a dosido where Dave would appear on Rogan's podcast. Sure. Tell me that wouldn't be absolutely epic. I don't know if he would do it. I know, I know. But if he did, holy shit! Um, what was the original question? Zevon, uh, right? Zevon, so, thank you, buddy. Anyway, as we get into Dave, and I, you know, we became nightly watchers of Dave. It's, and if not, we taped it. And, and let's go back a little bit. My first exposure to Zevon was Werewolves of London. So, you know, 12, I got my first CD player. My brother-in-law has the time life sounds of the 70s. And 1978, 
It's We Are the Champions with Queen. Yep. <laughs> and Werewolves of London is on it. And Dreamweaver by Gary Weaver. And nice. Lowrider by War. Nice. Um, oh, that's yeah. that's good stuff. But it occurred, like, I, I kind of put Warren Zevon at the time, as a 12 or 13-year-old, in this in this group of um, maybe comedy musicians or maybe comedy is not the right word, but maybe kind of like a, like a disco duck thing with Rick Dees or, or Kung Fu fighting was on that CD. I so was going to say, maybe, or like the bare naked ladies from Canada. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, that. <laughs> but real personality just, and you don't really, it's got a little bit of everything and yeah. And, and, or maybe like a Dr. Demento kind of thing or, just yeah. not a not, not like a serious artist i saw it yeah. as a novelty act that's what i'm looking for yeah so that was my first experience then we come around to letterman and there's this guy filling in for paul yes and i remember my dad and i watching it that week he that first week he filled in and i'm like oh that's the werewolves guy but it was a it was hilarious they did this bit of um if it doesn't work out, there's a guy that kind of looks like Paul that'll fill in. If that person doesn't work out, we kind of have a guy that looks like Warren that's going to fill in. But Dave's mood was great because you could see he loved having Warren there. Yeah. And just like Paul, Warren had a hot mic and he would interject and it would be so funny. Yep. And just it fit the tone of the show because Warren, like Dave and the show, is kind of offbeat. Yep. It's kind of one of those things. If you know, you know, yep. it, it's cool. Um, and of course they do the normal Letterman stuff. They do small town news. Yep. And Warren does the theme song. And mm -hmm. I remember seeing that for the first time. And I was like, holy shit, he's really good. He is really a good musician. Yeah. And of course, the the bumpers before they come back from commercial, they seem to be a bit more extended where they let Warren play some more. And yep. I'm hearing these songs that I've never heard. And I'm like, this guy is really good. He's playing guitar and piano and singing and harmonica and the whole deal. Go ahead. Can I ask a question? Raise your hand. Yes, Mike. <laughs> was he just playing his own music at that point? Was Pretty it just much. his stuff? Okay, yeah, that's yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's worth illustrating to the the listener who might not know that 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 when Warren came on, too. He, okay, and I want to talk about that. That's something that I that's on my checklist of things to want to talk about here tonight. Is that that there were nights where, correct me if I'm wrong, every song played was other than the themes were basically a Warren Zevon original, correct? Yeah, and. I think Warren came in, came in with music written out. He wrote out music of rearranging popular songs. Yeah. Whether it be you know, Britney Spears, Oops, I Did It Again, or whatever it was. And Dave's like, no, play Zevon stuff. We we don't want that other stuff. We, wow. That's why Warren's here. Don't do what Paul does. Yeah, don't don't, do don't play the does. pop culture stuff. Be yourself completely. Yeah, be Warren. And Warren yeah. was really cool with doing whatever. Um, I remember there was one night he did a... Steve Winwood song. It was probably back in the high life again, because Warren did cover that for a later album. And Dave <sighs> brings it up. Why are you doing playing a Steve Winwood song? And Warren responds, I'm fatigued by my own work, which I like that response. <laughs> um, yeah. So I dig I, it. I learned a little bit more of Warren from this. That sounds so smart. <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's witty, just like that. Totally. Um, so we keep going and I continue learning about music and you know, Warren Zevon is more than just the werewolves guy, but I kind of still don't care. Yeah. Um, I get to college. Um, my junior year of college, I am flat broke. I am out of money. I am so screwed in life at this point. 
Ah. Um, take a semester off college. I'm just working hard, trying to make things happen. Such a horrible um, rock bottom. But it was also fun. Yes. Just, you know, there's no one really expected anything out of you because you weren't anything at that point. So anything's an improvement. Yep. Um, I had this friend who I went to high school with. His name's Tyler Bresler. Hi, Tyler. Yep. And he's that one dude that you know that knows more about music than you ever will. Yeah. Um, he's the guy that tells you about Lou Reed and the Velvet Underground and tells you about these bands like the Smoking Popes and these people oh. you've never heard of before. I've had like four and, people in my life that are that role for me, almost like a musical sage. Yeah. And yes. no matter how experienced or what I know, he will always know eight times more than I do. Yes. So Don Giller is that for me. So too is Will Lee. Those are two guys yeah. in my life right now that like, I love talking about the Beatles with them. Like, you know, um, now and then just came out. I yep. wanted to know both though, their, their, their perspectives on it. Right. Because it feels like you're sitting at, at a wisdom tree. And, yep. uh, and I absolutely love that. Um, yeah. Super, super, super cool. So this Tyler guy messages me on AOL instant messenger. That's what the yeah. kids used at the time or ICQ or something like that. And Can I say hey, something man. real quick? Can I say yeah, something real ahead. quick? Don Giller just chimed in stage manager, uh, Corky, who I, Oh gosh, love to have a conversation with Corky would sing, um, a Warren Zevon song during the final break with Warren. Oh, that's great. I very, you know very, very cool. Don? Okay. So questions to ask Jordan. That's going to yes, be one add that to the list. Add that to the he, list of questions to ask Jordan Zevon when he comes on. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, but a, a, fun, a cool discussion point though. Yeah. Just, um, uh, yeah. Maybe we can get footage. Maybe we get footage of it and show it to him. So my buddy Tyler says to me on yeah. Instant Messenger or whatever, yeah. hey man, um, I'm going to see Warren Zevon tonight for like the fifth time. Um, Tyler went to Boston University or Boston College. He's like, "Do you have you ever seen Warren Zevon live? I said, no, he's the werewolves guy that fills in for Paul sometimes. <laughs> and he's like, you have to listen to his music. So he sends me a copy of um, per Perfectly Legal, not an MP3 off Napster or anything. No, anyway, never. Not our generation. <laughs> not our generation. Yeah, um, that stuff ended with that. We took a stand. Yes. Yes, we did. Um, we were forced anyway. to because Keza was destroying our hard drives anyway. Yeah. Go yeah. On. Thank, thank you, Lars Ulrich, for showing us the way. Um, anyway, <laughs> he sends me a copy of um, Rolling the Headless Thompson Gunner. Yep. And I was blown away because yep. with music, you're used to being like, you know, verse, 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 chorus. Yes. And then a slightly different version of the verse. Yes. Chorus repeated. Yes. And that's the song. Yep, format. And here complete you had, format. Yeah. So and this was completely not format. Yep. Here you have a four-minute story that is a song. Um, and it blew me away that you know there's a whole little world that happens in this. And it's not just here's a hook, here's a couple of verses, and here's the chorus repeated. And is it, it like country such... music in that regard? I think so. Yeah. yeah I think but I it's more folklore or tone. Americana, Midwestern Americana, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know how to say it, but it tells a story the way country, a good country song does, right? Yeah, it, it, correct. I think it's more Bob Dylan than it is Metallica. Yeah, you know? thank you. Thank you. Yes, um, great. And the lyrics just jump out at you. And Dave has talked about this ad nauseum, and I don't want to repeat his points, but it, they're incredible. Um, evocative, I think, is the word he used. And yeah. when I first heard Werewolves of London, the lyric, a little old lady got mutilated late, late last night, blew my mind because you don't hear like it's so violent but so funny at the same time yeah it's lighthearted it's lighthearted so uh from that there's a, a two-disc compilation called um i'll sleep when i'm dead i yeah. got a copy of that yeah and i didn't really listen to it i just it went by the wayside 
Um, the wind came out. Um, of course, famously, Warren was on Letterman for that full hour, which I'm sure yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah. And I, I enjoyed that, but I still wasn't hooked. And it wasn't until I got to be about 27. It's that point in life where you have a career, you're successful, you, know, you have relationships, and yeah. then it all falls apart on you. And you're like, holy crap, I'm 27, and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And as a result, you go to the bar with your friends. And at this point in life, and things, I mean, life was still fine, but mm -hmm. just it wasn't on the trajectory I thought it was going to be. So you go drinking with your friends. And at that bar, um, there's a guy named um, John Thompson. Um, he went by JT Blues. He still performs mm -hmm. in this area. And he would perform. And we got to going there so often. He would come over and sit with us and hang out between the sets. And mm -hmm. you know you've been drinking and going to the bar too much when the musical <laughs> guest knows you are. Um, <laughs> so we'd go in right away. We'd throw 20 bucks in the fishbowl. He'd play whatever we wanted here all night. So I was requesting stuff like All Right Now by Free. And he happened to do Werewolves of London one night. Oh, I said, do you know um, Roland Hellas Thompson Gunner? He said, no, but I know some others, Yvonne. And he played Lawyers, Guns, and Money, which I didn't really know. Um, and my best friend was with me at the time. Best man at my wedding. His name's Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Oh, this is a great um, moment. You're discovering a beautiful Warren Zevon song yeah. and you're with your future best. Like That's, that's best a friend. core memory. That's a core memory. It, it was a core memory. And he looks at me and goes, who is this? I'm like, I think it's Warren Zevon. And he's like, do you have this? I'm like, I think I have it. And from that point, we went home and that two CD set was in my car for like five years. And it's all we ever listened to. And it started with that. I Since then, that. I've got my life together. Everything's good. But <laughs> at that, like that one summer was rough. And uh, I think there's something to be said when you're not doing well in life and um, maybe things aren't on the up and up. Warren Zevon's a pretty good thing to be listening to because <laughs> you oh, relate to God. a lot of that stuff. Oh, happy go lucky. Adam probably doesn't listen to Warren Zevon very often. <laughs> you are, um, by the way, uh, Don Giller says Dylan Jack of Hearts, nineteen seventy four. Um, not sure what the reference is on that one. I've lost. I'm not a Dylan guy, which is going to get me persecuted uh, <laughs> by most music fans. These and are the things that I appreciate about guys like Don Giller, who 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 appreciates um, uh, a Dylan and is willing to kind of talk about why. Like I've I've sat under his learning tree when it comes to Dylan and and, and the Beatles. Well, That's where having that musical Don. sage again, so important. I'll tell you why I don't like Dylan, and it's because of that Letterman 10th anniversary special. He performed like a Rolling Stone, and Paul had an incredible ensemble yes. of guest musicians and backing vocalists, and Bob was horrible. And from that point on, I'm like, ugh, I was I was done with Bob. <laughs> oh man, you're telling it like it maybe, is. But let's go I, back I, to 20. Okay, but hold on, let's go back to 2015 yeah. uh, when Dylan was on second last show. I think mm -hmm. it was second last show, right? Mm -hmm. um, very interesting, provocative. Uh, behind the scenes story on that one, the way he was shot, in, in, including during the guitar solo, the, the instruction, uh, don't take the camera off me. And uh, and then he went and did nothing on camera. Um, but then <laughs> the, the same person pointed out, but what was everyone talking about the next day? And, and, and it was shot in kind of a, 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 if my memory serves me correctly, like a sepia tone kind of a, like yep. it had a different filter or something. And, and, and it was... Uh, curious um as to what you thought about that in comparison different because <laughs> you just you turned it off that day and that was it not no yeah. more dylan nope nope i'm wow. fickle i'm fickle <laughs> no man i think that you 100 like i talk about this with my wife a lot a music snob thing 
and and I'm a music snob, like I totally am, but it's completely up to what my taste is though, you know, and it's so, so funny how that works, how you, how, I, 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 I'm going to try by toward the, now in the end of this conversation, I'm going to try and think of somebody that I've kind of I can recognize him as that. an amazing musician and a writer yeah. and a poet and the cultural contribution the man has given. Yep. However, my memory, my first, my first viewing, my first exposure of him was yep. in the Letterman 10th anniversary special. And it wasn't a good first impression. Yeah. No. If Freddie Mercury was there, he would have knocked it out of the park. <laughs> ah. <laughs> that Not goes saying. The uh, did the two, did their paths ever cross? God, why do I want to know? Zivon and um, Dylan? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, and Freddie Mercury. No. Okay. No. okay. They were both signed under like the Electra Asylum label in the US, but there, there's okay. no crossover. Okay. Okay. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Um, but can I ask one question about that time? Yeah. I have uh, a lot of what you've said I've been able to identify with. Some of it, I see how you've gone down the rabbit hole in a way that's brought to you to where you are. But for me, um, it was a Werewolves of London thing, kind of being aware of the song. And then, um, were you a Larry Sanders guy? No, so I, we didn't have HBO growing up. But Warren, have you watched it a, since? Yes. It's okay. Amazing. And okay. Warren's appearance <laughs> is great on it. Yes. It's the okay. John Ritter episode. Yes. And the John irony is, the irony is, Warren Zevon is making fun of the fact that they always want him to sing Werewolves of London. Werewolves He's of fucking London. bitter about it. He's like, yeah. ah, you know, like um, rebelling against it and then and then going to play something else, more personal, everything arranged. And then on the air, Sanders says to him, hey, will you play Were Werewolves of London? And he's like, he begrudgingly does it. Here's the ironic part. You are a product of Werewolves of London. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that's true. So the irony is 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 astounding. Um, uh, but that was it. That was that for me. Um, I knew him kind of. That's where I kind of branch off. I'm with you right up until I I I was vaguely aware of him, became more aware of him through Letterman, and then Larry Sanders show happens. Yeah, and and for me that was like bam. Like I I loved that episode so much. I loved when Morty was on. And of yeah. course, I love when Letterman was on. To me, they were all the same, you know. And then Doc and it's all like that the stuff. Same, like, yes, it all fits. It all fits so perfectly. And um, anyway, so that was a huge for me, uh, Zivon, formative moment as well. It made me pay more attention to him when he was on Letterman, really. Um, and then we haven't gotten to hit somebody. Yeah, you, you haven't gotten to hit somebody yet in your in your story, have you? No. Well, no. Okay. Good. So okay, I keep going. Of, I have a lot of good uh, hit somebody stuff to talk about, but. So going forward, it's like anytime you discover a new music artist that you love. You yeah. know, for me, it's happened with the Killers or Foo Fighters. And both, happened both for me, both with, of them. With Zevon. Yep. And I would just buy one album, loved it. I'd buy the next one, I loved it. And it just went down the line. And I became a Zevon fan, just like with Queen. Um, and it was a very, it was, it was a similar situation. I was home from work one day. Yes. I um, had, had a random Wednesday off. And um, got pretty good at graphic design and uh, doing the Queen stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'd been working on, a, there's a box set that came out for Queen called The Miracle, their 1989 album. I wrote what was your text. credit on that? Uh, it was text with the archivist. It's me and Greg Brooks. And then Fantastic. product conceptualization or product design. Um, I designed some of the merchandise that came out yeah. to go along with that album. Yeah. Stuff that was in the box set. Yeah. I did some of the graphics inside the book as well. Okay, so, can I can I ask you can I ask you an inside question and we can sure. edit out for the show if you need to? You ever got paid for any of this? 
Uh, no, because I don't officially work for them. Yeah. Um, I work with their archivist. Yep. And and you don't need to edit this out. It's fine. So okay. what they do, I get credit. Yep. Um, if I don't want to do it, I just don't do it anymore. Right. But like once every three or four months, there was like a small like quarter pallet that ends up on my front door filled uh-huh. with queen stuff so basically anything i'm credited on in any country i get a copy of um and then anything else that comes out they're happy to send to me so if you look Ooh. in the, my room it's just filled with posters and records and cds and one and day you, know, one day you and i are going to do a live and you're just going to tour us around <laughs> no you're gonna get your phone and you're going to tour us around and we're just going to have a that's going to be an entire live episode we do just exclusive because I adore your organizational skills. It's, I cannot, I'm, I'm blown away. Everything is presented as meticulous as you see to the audience right now. Uh, these posters around and these albums up and all that, how meticulously hung that uh, it is. Imagine if filing cabinets were just as interesting and you open uh, books and different things that you have. Um, we're going to do a tour of, of, of that because it's, 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 it's remarkable. Um, yeah, my, are you ever going to get too. to a point where you get paid by queen or Warren Zevon and, and could maybe do it as a, a career or have a consultant, uh, wing to what you're doing? Is that, is that a, in the cards? I would love that. The yeah. queen thing probably isn't going to happen. The, the queen organization is a very tight knit group. Um, with, you know, with the remaining band members, managers, you know, they have a couple music producers, they have yeah. the archivist, Greg, um, who I consider a really close friend now. So that's a small that, group. It is, but they're very protective about the catalog, um, the right. assets they have, yeah, because they own it all. It's not they own everything, and it's licensed out to record companies, um, and they take a lot of care over um, how it's stored and presented and used, um, and they have a legacy there. Um, if if they were to sell their catalog, it'll be over a billion dollars. They they okay. have a billion dollar legacy there. Billion dollar catalog. Do they get paid? Every time a sporting event plays, we will rock you or we are the champions. I, knowing their management, yes. Okay. <laughs> I would okay. assume so. Billion dollar catalog, uh, uh, two iconic sports songs. Three. I, I will say. God, another one bites the dust is uh, as well. Um, the, I think their management throughout since the beginning have been very good about taking care of that band yeah. and understanding the value to the physical um, assets that they have, whether yeah. it's tapes or whatever. And then the actual um, ownership. Yes, um, it's a top-notch organization. The way that, the way it's run, the way it's organized and archived, it's it's yes. incredible. And yes, working with that archivist has helped me with the Zevon stuff. In terms of the Zevon stuff, I have a regular job like everyone else. This is like a super hobby, kind of like what you do. Yeah. Um, oh, super it, hobby! God damn, I hobby. love that. That's a, what a but, great phrase. A super now, hobby. If, I'm stealing that. If I were able to make six figures doing the Warren Zevon thing, yeah, I would absolutely do that. But yes, um, the thing is, Warren Zevon is not the Beatles, um, which is a lot of the issues that we run into. Um, every yep. product that comes out or anything that's presented, there's a cost and reward to it. And yep. is it financially viable? With the Beatles, you could release now and then mm-hmm. on a seven inch for 20 bucks, and you're going to sell the heck out of that thing. Um, with Warren Zevon, there isn't a fan base like that. It's much more... Um, condensed it's smaller so um you don't have as much wiggle room there could jordan do a modern warren zevon tour where jordan sings warren zevon songs <laughs> i brought that up to him i don't think that's something boy or would he do it for a night say the letterman crew got back together uh, for sure. one night only at radio I, city he has done one-offs before he 
there is um, an asbestos, the ADAO, which I don't remember what it stands for off the top of my head. Um, yeah. He does charity events for them and performs his dad's songs and his songs. I think the thing is, and I, <laughs> I remember I said to him, I said, you can go all around the country and be like the modern day Frank Sinatra Jr. and just make a living off this. And a I modern version he, of it, but yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think he has an interest in making that his entire life. Um, oh, we? oh yeah, Zevon. How did I get into Zevon? So yes. I was off. I was off work one day. Um, I'd finally gotten something together that I can say I've done design. I've written. Yeah. Um, I've done. I've been trusted with information. I've been able to collate together. I've been able to write. Yes. And I'd say, you know what? I'm going to physically write a letter. So I wrote a letter to Jordan Zevon. I found an address online, which actually ended up being his ex-wife's, um, which yep. was probably a poor move on my part, but. It all worked out. <laughs> but it's a great part um, of the story, my it's friend. It's a great part of the story. Um, yep. I printed out some designs I'd done, yeah. one of which was a design for like a Letterman Late Show kind of compilation. And I mailed it to him. And in the meantime, I posted this stuff online, and Jordan saw it, messaged me on Facebook Messenger. Yeah. He goes, you did all this? I said, yeah. Like, I actually sent you a letter today. And he went, you sent me a letter? I'm like, yeah, I wrote a letter and I sent it to you, which is so weird in retrospect. Um, nobody had done it. No one had done it yet. So that's he's me like, with Can this I call show. You? Yeah. Yeah. So someone has to do it. Yeah. And um, no one said, no one said no yet. So just do it. Um, so he called me and we chatted uh, on the phone for a really long time. Yep. It's like our conversation. We never got to the point of why we're talking. We talked about anything but that, which was great. And he's like, I, I love your ideas with dad's catalog. Um, I like the designs you have. And mm -hmm. I want your help with that. But mm -hmm. what I really need help with is dad's website hasn't been changed since before he died. I need your help. And it blew my mind. Um, he said, would you mind designing it for me? Independent artist, like, man. Like, yeah, not a label artist. guy. And, and that I did get paid a little bit for. So thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, he's like, would you mind doing this? And I said, I would love to do it. Um, but what he didn't know is I could do web design too. And I actually did the coding for the page too. And I just did it. And then one day I said, here, it's done. I sent it to him. And he was very happy with that. You see, it, there are times in our conversations where I'm talking about Warren Zevon, the product and the brand. Yes. And I said, we should do this. And it should be recognized like this. Yes. And it very quickly becomes obvious to me that I'm looking at it the wrong way because he'll say, oh, dad wouldn't like that. Mm -hmm. And it's a completely different mindset. It's like, oh. It's not just the guy who works on Warren Zevon stuff. It's, yeah. it's his dad. Yeah. And there's a respect you have to put towards that. Um, and and he saw that I saw it that way. He trusts me with the decisions I make on the website or text or anything I design. So from there, um, they re-released re -released an album called Life Will Kill Ya. Um, they yeah. wanted Jordan to write like a two-page thing. And he said, could you help me do this? So I interviewed him, basically helped him put it together as a thing. And it turned out really well. Yeah. Um, what I realized when I designed the website, it was great for a desktop or a laptop. It wasn't good for a phone. So I did, I designed a separate version for the phone. Yeah. And then I scrapped the whole thing and did it all over again. So it could work on both. And that's the website that you see today. And how much of the logo, there, how, how much of a part of the logo were you? Did you revise so it the, at all? Did you do anything with the logo? Like how did so uh... here, here's the interesting thing about Zevon and his catalog. Yeah. Um, it's spread across currently one. I have notes here just in case I'm cheating. One, two, three, four, 
four or five record companies. Yeah. And the assets, the original art assets, they're, they're gone. No one knows where this stuff is or yeah. if it even exists anymore. So yeah. um, what I've done, I've recreated all the logos from scratch where I can. And there's a future product coming out that we can talk about a little bit where uh, we can talk about some of that stuff. But I know um, I'm excited about that. I, I want to finish with the, what yes, the, current, the sneak peek the, and uh, the Warren sneak peek in the future. Project. Yeah. Cause there's some cool stuff and behind the scenes, I got to tell you, uh, I'm not telling, I am telling tale. I'm going to tell a tale out of school. I always say I'm not doing it. I'm going to do it right now. Um, I loved connecting you and Walter Kim and yes. I'm grateful that there is right now a conduit between pants and Zevon, that is the way it should be. And I hope that we build that pipeline big. And I want to be part of that too. Um, you know, again, just so, so awesome. Yeah. That, uh, we'll that, get to that, 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 we that connection. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, let's, uh, um, so the logo, the skull logo though, like that, it's gotten more consistent. So the skull logo, yeah. um, which I think first appeared on the compilation album called A Quiet Normal Life. Um, I think that was a cash in product to go along with the color of money because Werewolves of London was a part of that movie and that okay. became Warren's logo so we have the highest quality version of that um, Jordan owns that, we can use that so that hasn't changed the version on the website right now is a version I did on my own um, just for something different yep. but like the, the Warren Zevon text logos and all that stuff yep. um, I've been working on recreating all of those from scratch so we have them in the future for future projects. Yep. Um, and to go along with this, you know, Jordan said to me, so, um, you know, we're going to be working on some various things. And, you know, I said, well, I want to be the archivist then. If I, 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 I want that to be my title. He's like, yeah, you're it. That, that's what you're doing. And with that title, it's amazing how quickly someone will answer your email or how willing they are to help. And, uh, the great thing is reaching it's out to all people. It's a life hack. What you just said, that's a life hack. Well, it automatically gives you um, a credit. different type of yeah. first impression, a different viewpoint, a different perspective. And it's so, way more open than if you're fanboy. The current thing we're working on, one of the things, um, we have 186 of Warren's personal cassette tapes Yep. Um, that have all been digitized into 9624. Okay. Um, and I'm going through them one by one. I have 114 of them done. <laughs> um, and it, it goes the gamut of anything you could possibly imagine. Um, there's Can I interrupt rehearsal. here for a second? Can go I, ahead. Go ahead. Uh, um, you know, and as we know, I will anyway. I apologize. You putting up with my enthusiasm is uh, admirable. I know I'm very puppy dog like. Um, but that being said, when you see, have you, I, I assume you've seen um, now and then. And mm -hmm. and and yes. the technology, incredible that was used in a ver a tape, much 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 worse than the tapes you're talking about here. Um, I see so much Warren Zevon potential. Um, well, here's the thing too. Okay, you can use that technology, yeah, and the amount of money it costs to use that technology for a band like the Beatles. You know, at what point will this technology be um, accessible to everyone else? which yes. there are versions of it you can use now, which aren't as good, but Absolutely. You know, there needs to be a point where it's cost-effective to use it on something for like Warren Zevon or an artist that doesn't have the revenue stream that Warren yes. does. Yes. Um, but with these tapes, I did make some notes because I think some of them are interesting. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of home recordings. 
um, rehearsals, um, live audience recordings. There's an answering machine tape from when he lived with Kim Langsford um, in 1980, which is hilarious. Huh. Um, but going through these tapes, it's they're not meant to be a released product. It's it's him messing around on a piece of equipment, or it's like an overnight mix or a car mix that trying to listen to a song on the way home from the studio. So there are some decent or decent and really good studio recordings. There is, as of yet, no incredible unreleased song that we haven't heard. They're just different song versions with maybe different lyrics or a guitar solo that isn't there or mm -hmm. something like that. Um, but there's a lot of live stuff. Ugh. And the, the, the nice Ugh. thing is some of them are in really good shape depending on who's working the soundboard that night. Um, mm -hmm. A personal story, there was one night I was going through tapes. I had like four hours to myself one evening. Um, the kids went to bed. Um, my wife was watching Hallmark Channel. I'm like, I'm going to dive into some Zevon tonight and work on this. <laughs> and I'm cataloging each tape, what, pro what product it's related to, if it's a studio project, every song, the length of every song. And then yeah. I kind of rate it if it's good enough to be released or if there's anything of interest that could be yes. used later. Yes. So I, on this particular night, I'm, I'm probably a couple hours into it. And it's nothing that's particularly worthwhile. Um, it's a bad, a, a bad rehearsal tape, meaning it's just not of good quality. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of testing of you know new synthesizer or keyboard, yep, um, an answering machine tape. And I live on around Penn State University, State College. Okay, and this was late January of this year. I come across it's the last tape I do that night. Like I'm just going to do one more, and each tape is digitized on audio format. Then we have a picture of both sides of the tape and the tape box, so we can kind of. Keep everything together so we know. Are they actual have. DAT tapes? These are cassettes. Oh, they're just okay, cassette. like a regular cassette yeah. that go to we walk, do have, not a we not do, a DAT. Right. We do have DAT okay. tapes and ADAT tapes. Yeah. DAT tapes are stereo. ADAT, I think, is eight track yeah. tapes. Um, which we're going through those two, and that that'll be part of that project we're gonna talk about later. Can I okay, um, can I ask you a quick yeah. question? Sure. Do you have the capability to digitize a DAT tape? I don't, but we have people that we outsource that have done, that are working on that for us now. Okay, I think I have at my house, my parents' house, in a box somewhere, a DAT of a Nine Inch Nails David Bowie concert all together. Oh, cool! Where they played—that's my favorite concert of all time—and it's a DAT of the Seattle show, the show I was at. Would that be around uh -huh. the time Outside came out for David Bowie? That's exactly like right. So? That, yes, it was the Outside tour. Now. Don't get me wrong. So the way it worked was uh, Trent Prick played. And if you knew Prick, they were on the Nothing label. That's that's uh, Reznor's label. Um, I love that CD. They never really followed it up, but I just love that yeah. CD. They opened the show, but then a full show. Trent comes out, Nine Inch Nails plays an amazing set. There's this kind of weird interlude. Trent plays a saxophone which I think is symbolic of it. First off, it's where, you know, it was this high school instrument, uh, you know, but saxophone, you know, let's like Nine, Nine Inch Nails taking a step out of the dark yeah. towards David Bowie. Then Bowie comes out and plays uh, Scary Monsters with Nine Inch Nails backing it. Cool. And it's insanely good, like insanely good. Um, and then a couple other songs, um, not the heart's filthy lesson though. He saved that for the main act. But then 
after two or three songs with Nin. Nin left, Trent stayed on stage, Bowie's band comes out, and they play Hurt together. And this version of Hurt is unbelievable. Trent leaves, Bowie does an entire set. I'm not going to say he didn't play any hits, but they were like, it was all outside. Heart's Filthy Lesson and all that. Um, Great. Did play The Man Who Sold the World. Um, cool. and, and, and songs like that, but did not do let's dance. And, and it was, a <laughs> yeah, it was a theme did show. Do Young Americans for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So anyway, that was, um, I have a dat of that somewhere. It, and I think it still exists. Um, if I find it, could we do something? Could we get that thing digitized? It depends on the legalities of that, but I might know a person. <laughs> Yeah. All right. This was a beautiful aside. Let's go back to Warren Zevon. So I'm going through these tapes and I pick up a tape or pick up uh, figuratively on the screen and says State College, um, January 27th, 1983. Yep. And it's almost a, uh, what, 40 years to the day. And I'm like, oh, please be in good quality. (laughs) And it was. It was so great. Um, and I did a little bit of research. I, there was a comedy troupe that opened up for Warren Zevon. I yeah. found the guys in the comedy troupe and got connected with them. Since we all went to Penn State, wrong college, wrong you know, in this area. Isn't it the um, best? It's like Sherlock Holmes or Nancy Drew. It's so great. I've done this for each one of these tapes. Any venue he's gone to, I've reached out to the venue or the people there and attempted to get the story or whatever we can find out. You have a mute button. That's good. <laughs> um. Ain't my first rodeo. Wife's bringing me a water. Thank you. And there's um, a couple other tapes. Um, he went on tour in late 1990. It was a tour called the Enemy of the People Tour. Um, he had a back, mm. a small backing band with Dan Dugmore, Garth Morlix. And the quality of the shows are fantastic. Oh, my God. Probably a f- five or six shows from this tour. And it's just a soundboard recording. But whoever was working the board that night knew exactly what they were doing. Yeah. And they're so good. Um, yeah. So that's something I've been pushing hard on Jordan to look at. Yes. Um, something Letterman related. Um, so Warren appeared on Letterman um, in 89. Yep. Three days later, there was a benefit concert in New York City called Hungerthon 89. It was around the Beacon Theater in New York City. Warren was like the opener, performed five songs, <gasps> and Paul Schaefer joined him on stage for Wearables of London for the fifth song and it was broadcast on the radio and we have a tape of the radio broadcast from Adam, that day. Is this out there for people to see publicly or okay, we Not need to make this happen. This is, this is where, yes, the, 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 the joining of the arms and linking and saying, Hey, how about this? And how about that? How that is an amazing find Paul Schaefer warns Yvonne playing at what, what was it called again? It was called Hungerthon 89. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. That's another one of those moments like that Comedy Store moment or the 10th anniversary special. It's an oddball special thing. Five songs, you said? That's an EP. Um, any yeah, chance? What are the, what is, what's the so, process of getting that released? So here's the thing. With, with Warren being signed to multiple record companies throughout his career. Oh, boy. So, of course, the record contracts are different for each single one of yeah. those companies. So it would all depend on if it was 1989. Um, he would have been under Virgin Records at the time, which yeah. is now owned by Universal. Um, 
they may own any rights to anything that he performed during that time period. Um, you know who we need so, for this? We need Jimmy Iovine to come out of retirement. We do. And he would figure this shit out. Jimmy Iovine would be able Call to. Me. Yeah, no kidding, right? Like he would be able to figure that out in a second. I've got a, I've got a, I'll tell you off camera. So, so pitch. Here's anyway, the, keep going. Thing. Keep going. Yeah. Um, we have really good contacts with people. Warner, <clears throat> Warner Brothers owns Rhino Records. We have really good contacts um, with the people that own the last three albums. It's yep. a company called MNRK. Yep. They absorbed what was left of Artemis. And there's a company called Ship to Shore, which licenses that music and physically releases it. Gotcha. Those Virgin albums, Virgin Records, they're now owned by Universal. I don't have a really good contact with Universal yet. Um, the nice thing is Queen are under Universal. So I'm trying to make those inroads. But historically, Universal hasn't been great about licensing music. So it all comes down to ownerships. I've got um, somebody I'm going to ask. I've got somebody who's with NBC Universal who Perfect. they will give me a, uh, she's pretty awesome actually. And I think that she would be able to give me some good advice. I'm going to talk but, about there's somebody specifically. So anyway, go on. Here's the other thing to, here's the other thing to go with it. Yep. It's not just what I want. You know, Jordan has to be on board. His sister, Ariel, who's a big part of this whole thing needs to be a part of it too. Do they and differ on uh, opinions or are they pretty much united for the most part? I, since Jordan is the first person I reached out to, yeah, I mean, I consider Jordan and I close friends. We yep. text and call, and Ariel, I don't know as well. Gotcha. Um, every interaction I've had with her has been positive, and she's been friendly and helpful, and excited and game for whatever we're working on, and brings her own opinions to the table. So it's not like anyone's holding anything up here. Um, but of course, it's brother sister, so of course they're going to be different on things, right? Yeah. Um. But we're also looking at the thing where you have a man's body of work who's no longer with us, so he doesn't have a say anymore. Mm -hmm. So then you get that thing of, well, would he be okay with this? And you also want to be careful not to dilute the catalog. Yes. Um, and it, it really gets tricky um, because you can really oversaturate things and make a catalog confusing. Um, I think the Who have done this. I think Bowie has done this. Um, since Bowie has passed away, there's been so much Bowie archival product released. Yeah. And some of it's good. Some of it's superfluous. Some of it's money grab stuff like, yeah. you know, picture disc vinyl records. Yep. So I think there has to be merit to what's released. I think Bob Dylan's done a good job with his catalog where you have main albums, but you also yeah. have this bootleg series, which is kind it's, of tangential. It's top shelf in the way that it is because there is stuff for every level of fan, including like mm -hmm. you say, uh, you know, uh, I never, when I went to Vancouver, I would go to Vancouver to look for, 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 for bootlegs. And I remember going into boom CDs on West fourth. And I said to the guy, I said, Hey, do you have any bootlegs? Guy goes, he kind of felt me out a little bit. And he's like, what, what bands? I'm like, ah, faith and more Soundgarden or Nirvana, nine inch nails. Oh, nine inch nails. Big one. He's like, okay. He goes, I'm going to hook you up. He goes, but don't come <laughs> in asking about bootlegs. Come in and ask if we have any live recordings. Pro and he didn't say pro tip, but if pro tip would have been available as a phrase uh, back then, vernacularly, uh, he would have said pro tip, buddy. Um, but I was 18, 19, young, and that sure. started me on the, the the trail of searching for bootlegs of my favorite bands and live recordings. Dylan satisfies that crowd yeah. all the way up to the very surface, 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 surface without any, I don't think any... Uh, selling out whatsoever he's kind of the other end of the spectrum where he probably could have done more 
and been more profound. I don't know. Was that? I think it's you. Know, we don't want to give the perception that we're barrel scraping. Not even a little bit. Oh my god. Yeah. So I think that's a big concern um, because it needs to be done well, needs to be done correctly, needs to be done right. And uh, I'm not one of the decision makers. I I have an opinion, and I can sure. you know bring things forward. But you know, it, it's really up to Ariel and Jordan because it's their dad's legacy. And it could be a thing that Jordan could say, uh, I know my dad wouldn't like that. And that's the end of it. And you, you have to respect that. Um, he did listen to those tapes. He did like that, the 1990 concerts that I'm talking about. But it, it all depends. It all depends who has the ownership and, and everything. So it, what if it's Worldwide Pants put it out? What if Worldwide Pants put it out on some sort of a something? Um, I'm just it, throwing this it, out there. like, or Or someone like World, you know. Like what, like, do you think that there's room to put something like that out? Sure. It, it, again, it depends who owns the rights to that music. Yeah. If they want to license it. If it could be, you know, Jivy Iveen to the point where an agreement can be made and, and, and and, yeah. Um, But again, again, if you're a big record company, if you're universal records and you have Queen and the Beatles and Elton John or whoever else they have under the catalog. Yes. You know, it's difficult for Warren Zevon to be um, a focus in comparison to other artists because of, the commercial viability of it. The, the, the one nice thing, um, there are um, recordings that are available. It's, I think it's archive.org that have been allowed by um, Jordan and Ariel, live concerts of their father. Good to um, know. That's free for, for, free for everyone to download. Um, a lot of them are soundboard recordings. A lot of them are radio broadcasts. So if you're looking for something, that, that kind of scratches that itch pretty well. Um, Question, but we would what? like to get something more official out. Sure. Yeah. Why not take those and bare minimum put them out on Apple Music? Because they're already free, and it'll be casting yeah. in on something that's already been released free to everyone. No, I just I don't know. I think part of it also is like, hey, this is a nice part of our catalog too. No matter sure. what the pay structure looks like, having that included. If I'm a fan, like like I'm a huge Chris Cornell fan. When that that last uh, blah that came out, which all that studio stuff with Chris like I mean man that is a a really nice thing to do on the Apple and then I get I just bigger platform right just I think there's a perception of of money grabbing that you know Mm. we made this available for free for people and now we're going to charge and you know the stuff the stuff that's on that site was given away for free in good faith for fans that want to feel you yeah so I, I think the idea is I think both and again I don't want to speak for them but I, no. I think they want to be careful with their with the fan base and not just release a bunch of superfluous product to try to cash in. Yes, very well said. And I'm a bit more of a, uh, well, you might be able to turn the notch a couple of couple of turns, <laughs> right. and and things still be good. But I hear you as and as, that a, makes... as a consumer. It's what I would want too. Okay, there Absolutely. we go. There we go. You'd be giving the fans what they want in a big way, and I think there's a consideration for that. Um, there speaking of which, you see Dave giving away of, the marquee. I did see that. Or how many? Uh, how many is it? You have to. Is it bidding on? Is it like a like a like it's a, a draw, raffle? Like a, so, a raffle? Yeah. No. Many, you know what? Uh, how many uh, do you have in? Yeah. So uh, for me, I just I brought it up and looked at the options, and for for fifty dollars United United States money, which is like one thousand four hundred and twenty nine Canadian dollars. Um, <laughs> it's not that bad, but it's pretty bad. <laughs> Um, fifty dollars. Trying US. to fundraise. We're not fundraising for you, are we? This isn't uh, no, a no, no, no. Okay, I, good. Well, I, I'll tell you though. I have had two people <laughs> say to me that they entered 
And if they win, they're donating it, donating it and have going to have Dave because Dave's going to pay the shipping, going to send it to the Letterman podcast. But they want the trip to New York, though. And so hey, I'll you take get that. To meet Dave, I mean, right? What's that? You get to meet Dave and hang out with Dave. You get Paul to meet Dave, be on the Barbara Gaines show. And I'm not going to tell. Actually, you know what? I'm, again, tonight's the night. Well, I will tell some tales out of school. Uh, Barbara Gaines has thus uh, refused my advances. Um, there was one time where she might have considered it, but she might have also been toying with me. Morty did this to me. He played with me like I was a little bit of a rubber ball. And I can't tell if Barbara's doing that. What I do know is I misspelled her name or I misspelled her last Ooh. name. I forgot the E. And uh it eats what my kind of fan soul. are you? I it, it's eating my soul. I'm I am pretty sure it was an autocorrect, but <laughs> regardless, I should have proofread. Um you know, so, 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 uh, now I feel this is good. This is, I feel like this is therapy, buddy. Thank you for this. I would love no, to but... win it and put it back here and I'd make you look at it every single day just to know that you didn't have it. <laughs> it's eight feet by 20 feet. Like oh, it will it not, might, it, it might go in the garage then. That's where mine's going. And I've got yeah. it. I've got it all figured out already. I, there's no way I'm going to win. Jimmy Kimmel's probably put in thousands of dollars under, you know, 40 different emails so we can get past <laughs> the 5,000 votes or 5,000 entries. So yeah, $50 got me uh, 600 entries. And I thought, I said to myself, and then there's a way you could do it for free. So I did one for free. You can put in a free one. And so I did that. Um, and and if the universe is meant to make it happen, it's going to make it happen either by winning it. And then ironically, I would be on the Barbara Gaines show. So she refused me, but then I kind of <laughs> snuck in the back door. Um, so I think that would be kind of fun. I hope she says your name wrong. Oh, well, <laughs> okay. so my only credit because I mean, I wanted to 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 mention this earlier, um, but I was so taken. Like I just love your story so much, and and I'm so I'm so excited to be your buddy, um, and and we're do, gonna do some cool stuff here together. I just feel it. Um, you know, it sounds like I, I don't have a choice anymore. <laughs> oh man, as far as I'm concerned, you don't. Um, as far as I'm concerned, no, no, it's I'm good uh, with that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it would be uh, it would be funny to to snake my way into her show. And and to meet Dave that way, comeuppance that'll be good. We had a nice, a couple nice moments uh, at um, at Rupert's retirement, and I mean, mm -hmm. how crazy again! Saw the crazy. pictures in the video; it looked lovely. It's and really nice that um, um the current Late Show folks did something for it too. I thought that was nice. I uh, I I have messaged um I've messaged her, and and we've talked about that to Tanya, um and and uh, Tanya uh, Tanya I for, I forget which one it is. I feel embarrassed about that, but. Um, but anyway, Between yeah. that and not spelling Barb's last name, right? You're, you're in trouble. See, um, this is know, why you don't very worse. You need a very worse dyslexic, perhaps a little bit or, or something. <laughs> um, Don Giller said that he's looking for your, uh, script, but it's not where he thought it was. So it'll be more investigation. Don Giller is here. Oh my God. Oh, this is my favorite podcast ever. He's coming in, man. Oh, there he is. Outstanding. Welcome to, welcome to a special three-hour edition of the Letterman podcast. Oh, oh my God. Hey, buddy. <laughs> where we where we talk about Letterman a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I I spent this the last two hours looking for this thing and I can't find it. Oh, no, I know I, I have bad. it. I just can't find it. Um, have you heard well, any of what we've been talking about about Warren that, that Warren Zevon set? How cool does that sound, Don? Is that what well, you yeah, the fact the, the fact that uh, uh, this guy, what's his name? This Adam guy. 
Adam. Adam. I'm Adam. Hi, Don. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but he's not My a last Dylan name is Gaines, spelled with an E. That's yeah. Oh, <laughs> I feel great shame. I need to go in the penalty box right now. I feel great shame. Jack of Hearts was a was was a a, a tale. Um, uh, that Dylan composed for his Butt on the Tracks album. Uh, um, and uh, because you were talking about uh, um, uh, what's the what's the Warren song? The, you know, was it Werewolves of London? No, no, no. Oh. Oh, uh, the song that uh... Roland the Hell of Stomps and Gunners. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yes. Yeah, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah. So, so Jack Arch came to mind because, uh, uh, and that was when was Roland written, or when was it? Seventy-eight uh, uh... on the Excitable Boy album. Okay, so that's four years after Jack of Hearts. So that proves that proves there's an influence. <laughs> there is an influence, it and Bill has done prove... some good today. It proves nothing. Okay. <laughs> I mean, Dylan did appear on a Zevon album too, so there's there's mutual respect there. I think. Yeah. Would it be safe to say like Zevon's kind of the? I was gonna say the next generation, but an evolution maybe. Um, I think it's tangential. You know, it's a storyteller, um, but I think it's I think there's a little bit more of a rock folk thing there. Um, yeah. Slightly more demented. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the humor but for sure. Th- there's a there's a ton of respect there. Um, Dylan did perform on um, the Sentimental Hygiene album in '87. Yeah. I think Warren actually talks about it during um, his one performance on Letterman around that time. Yep. Um, so Dylan performed harmonica on the Factory, uh, which is on that album. Right. And of course, you know Dylan famously performed Mutineer. Um, and a few songs of Warren's when he announced he was sick. So yeah. I think there's a lot of mutual respect there, which I'm I think if you have the respect to Bob Dylan, that says a lot. I'm, I'm, look, I'm looking for details on, on Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone performance on the on the uh, 10th anniversary. It's on the 10th uh, anniversary. Week. Yep. Don, is that something that you're known to known about? Like, is that something that there's a reputation for that, that, that Dylan kind of maybe didn't meet expectations on that performance? Or is that something that... Uh, Not- um let's say yes okay <laughs> he's not known as being a great uh live artist it's kind of one of those situations you don't know what you're going to get he's either going to be amazing or horrendous i remember back I in the day if, he I, performed... I don't know if i'm speaking out of turn don but i, no, I that's no, no. how i kind of took it it's okay you're young <laughs> i don't know any better every time dylan did something um when i was growing up there was a period of time that every time dylan performed something live Inevitably, the next week there would be a skit on Saturday, a sketch on Saturday Night Live, rather, with Dana Carvey playing a crazy Bob Dylan that everyone could imitate, <laughs> yeah. and, and 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 I mean that says something too. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, I loved Carcinio. I thought Carcinio That's was amazing, genius. Oh my God, Dana Carvey rules. Um, but yeah, like I, I remember he did a bit on Weekend Update where he was just doing a Dylan was like. He sounded almost like almost like Adam Sandler, um, you know. Uh, but anyway, um, speaking of uh, anniversary specials, Warren did perform on one of the anniversary specials. He was on the sixth anniversary. It was special. on his birthday. It was on his birthday. That's right. And here's the interesting thing about it: part of the band was Carol King and Billy Joel, Warren Zevon. Billy Joel and Carol King were on synths, and they put Warren on grand piano. So that's how much 
Paul and Dave thought of Warren Zevon. When you throw oh. Billy Joel on a synthesizer and you have Warren playing grand piano. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yep. I'm sure Don has that somewhere on his YouTube. I think I've seen it before. Yeah, no, I've got the... Uh, You've got uh, all the anniversary saxophone. specials on your channel, don't you, Don? Saxophone... Da I'm sorry? You have all the uh, the the anniversary specials on your YouTube, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. How, uh, how many anniversary David specials Sanborn? did they do? Ten, I think. Uh, I mean, did they do a first and second and third and fourth? They, Was it a yearly tradition? They did 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 89, 90, not 91, and not 93. So ninety two was their last year, Carson's yeah. last year. That's that's interesting. Uh, David Sanborn, Carol King, Billy Joel, Freddie Hubbard, John Fattis, Clarence Clemens, Tom Scott, <laughs> Robert Craig, Joe Walsh, Dwayne Eddy, um, Ashford <laughs> and Simpson, Roberta Flack, Cindy Lauper. Uh, that's right. And Benny King. They were all they were all the backup band. There's our homework. What year was that, Don? Uh, don't ask me those. Uh, that was eighty eight. Okay, our homework is to go watch the '88 anniversary special. There, there. I, I, I uploaded two versions. It's on the, it's on the same upload. Uh, the afternoon show and the, and the, and the evening show. This and, could be the, the broad, the broadcast and sort of combined. They did mostly the evening show, but there are elements of the, of the afternoon show. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Uh, it, it it's. Uh, yeah, no, this isn't going to bore anybody. So no, um, it's not. Have you not watched? I talked about Queen for half on? an hour, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're talking about Queen, you know, one of my favorite bands. Um, <clears throat> when E aired, uh, E aired late night in syndication from late '93 to mid '96, yep. mm -hmm. and on the July Fourth shows they did a, a a marathon. They aired all but one of the anniversary shows. Uh, they didn't air the 1984 anniversary show. But the 88, this 88 anniversary show uh, did not have Bill Wendell's uh, uh, announce, uh, opening announce. And I figured, you know, that they must have gotten this from NBC. Um, <clears throat> and it, it turns out, or what I believe to be the case, is that that's the only version NBC has. Uh, so all they have is, is the afternoon show be before bills announce they, they don't have the evening show that was that most of which from the evening show aired on on broadcast television um, wow. uh, yeah this is this is fascinating it is to me oh i love my new show like this this is great absolutely <laughs> um, yeah. and for the five other people that care it's great <laughs> yeah uh, well i think two have already died so I'm looking for if I can find anything on on the uh, like a Rolling Stone performance, and I'm not sure. I'm oh wait a minute. Well, yeah, if I find something, I'll I'll butt in. All right, so nothing's coming up. I remember um, you know, did, did, did he did he flub a, a verse? Um, I uh, couldn't tell. I couldn't understand what he was singing, Don. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I just I don't remember. But the, the, there was there was some scuttlebutt about it. Hmm. Uh, Hey Don, do you like the idea of uh, some sort of a reunion, whatever, and a performance where Jordan Zevon plays "Hit Somebody" with Dave sitting there and just saying his line every once in a while? Hit somebody. And yeah, no, I agree with Adam. It's not going to happen. All right. Well, uh, and dream. I think I think you did mention it, but but uh, but I was uh, for some reason I I didn't I didn't catch the the, the whole exchange. Um, I gotcha. Anyway, when, when, I just when think that's Warren a good idea. did perform "Hit Somebody." It was mm -hmm. Paul who did the. Uh, yeah, Paul did it. That's yeah. right. Absolutely. 
But I think actually you already said that. Sorry. No, we didn't. That's a, I'm glad you made the distinction because I think Adam, you and I talked about that originally when we talked on the phone about that moment. I think I think you mentioned that, and yeah, I I hadn't been aware of that. And uh, no, Dave's not going to do it. It's hey, from hey, show. Hey, we're going to do it. <laughs> it's oh, from it's, show 1581, April 2nd, 2001. For anyone out there who cares. <laughs> All that information came from Don, so thank you, Don. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember. It's Adam, right? It's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah, man. I mm -hmm. uh, I had a really, really good podcast today. Um, um, did you see the video I put up, Don, of the deleted scenes from it? Uh, no, I've been uh, having a life. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> Oh, I thought you were talking about this podcast that we're doing I, now. No, today, earlier. Like, this oh, podcast see, is incredible. See, Adam, what, what, what Mike's doing live, <clears throat> all we see is is his face. I tried to turn it so you could see everything else. I and saw, it but then I, then I got really dizzy. Exactly. It didn't work. So, yeah, that's, vertigo, uh, But that's what the live audience is going to get. They get to hear a sneak peek, but they don't get a chance to see it. Um, oh, my God. Today we did show and tell with that uh, Dan Flaherty. The cameraman. Oh, and uh -huh. he's he's got like eight jackets behind him as a backdrop because he's a cameraman, right? So he's well lit. He's got it. He's got it like set up. It's dialed in, and behind him is a coat rack with like eight of the jackets, and then <laughs> he's got credentials. He's got all these things, and at the very end, one T-shirt, and it's like stabbing me in the heart. It's the Foo Fighters T-shirt. <laughs> like that's like my most wanted Letterman collectible. Um, well, other than the, great, other than the marquee, of course. SCTV. He was great at SCTV. Yeah. What's the Foo Fighters shirt? Flattery, right? You don't know the Foo Fighters shirt? Um, mm -mm. the night. Okay, so there's a yellow. Dawn has one. Um, it was the Foo Fighters showed up on the very last show, and they brought a yep. gig shirt. And the gig shirt was a special one-off. It's a yellow shirt with blue writing on it. It's all the boxes, and there's Don. Oh, Don has shirt. it. He does. Oh. It's like it's. Oh my God! This is something that is so cool. You got to slip and, a quarter in the thing. And this was Steve Young's, right? Yeah. So that makes it even like triple cool. Okay, so there's the Foo Fighters shirt. And what How are they cool called, Dave? That? Roy Letterman. Roy Letterman. And there's the rest of the band. <laughs> and then if he flips it around, it's all of the Foo Fighters performances like it's a like it's a tour. But those no, are all the, all, all the, all of yeah. the performances on Late Show. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, and I want it so bad it's not even funny. Like I like I love this shirt. This is probably my favorite t-shirt. This is the 21 year staff shirt. I love it. That Foo Fighter shirt is like And so he's got it hanging there. I'm like, "Hey Dan, very you need a, a home for that thing." Just yeah, I just was all drooling. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's isn't that great? There's one of Rupert's original hats. <laughs> hey, who's whose podcast is this anyway? Hey, by the way, Will Lee trying to set me up with Darlene Love. And speaking of Darlene Love, here's some snow that fell down from the rafters <laughs> or some really badly cut cocaine. I'm not sure which uh, from the last uh, Christmas show in 2015. So and then Darlene Love and I hopefully going to be connecting this week. Everyone go to Don's uh, YouTube and watch all the Darlene Love performances. They're fantastic. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they do a super cut, which is kind of cool. Um, now, here's the thing. Well, that's on the official page, right? We don't go to yep. that one, right? Yeah. Well, no, we like them too. We like them too. It all goes okay. to the same place now. 
That, that oh, orange yes. Yvonne collection that I put up, I, I, had, I had originally included um, uh, Strawberry Beret. Oh, yeah, but it's a Prince song. So Yeah, the Prince song. Licensing. But uh, that fall of 19, I had, I had had it up for some time. And in the fall of 19, years earlier, I'd also put up both of Prince's Late Show performances. And, and UMG uh, struck them down. Yeah, uh, Prince's music. There they are again. Yeah. So, but so I got, wait I got, a second. I, Hold on. There's a version of Warren Zevon doing Raspberry Beret by Prince. Yeah, on, on, yes. on late night in '87, I think. Is it online so, right now? Can I go see that? It's not on my channel. I used oh, to be. God. So yeah. So you I got cold. So I got cold feet and and clipped it out and and put up a new collection with, with without that performance. Which, which right. So it's it, it yeah it was I was. I just got scared because uh, you know, one more strike. Actually, I had lost a. That's a long story. Um, hey, Don, do you still have a copy of the original version that you could send me? There's uh, a studio you get, version, you know. You get there's a what? What? There's a studio on version. That's mm -hmm. on his cover album. So now, so um, when Warren recorded "Sentimental Hygiene" in '87, '86, and '87, <laughs> came out in '87. His backing band was REM. Minus Michael Stipe. Michael did like backing vocals for a song. Whoa. So so that album is basically R.E.M. with um, Warren Zevon. They also recorded a ton of like old cover songs, you know, blues songs like Junko Pardner and um, Manish Boy and things like that. Yeah. And one of the songs that, were, that was covered is Raspberry Beret. And when Warren was sniffing around for a new record company and went to Giant Records or Giant I think he was already with Giant Records, um, but they heard of this and they're like, anything REM, God, can we sell it, please? And so REM was becoming one of the biggest bands in the world at the time. Yeah. So um, there was an album called Hindu Love Gods. It's Warren <laughs> Zevon and three fourths of REM and Raspberry Beret is one of the songs. It's from 1990. And I think hopefully we'll have that re-released on vinyl um, sometime soon. Wow. That's been in the talks. So we'll see if that happens. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Um, I think it also appears on one of the compilation albums. It might be on Genius. I forget. But anyway, it's, no, it's, out there. it's, it's a, a November 28th, 1990 is when he when he performed it on Dave. Wow. Uh let me see if I can punch it up. Let's see if I can break my contract. <laughs> it's not your channel, so it's okay. <laughs> you're just, I'm going to get you're blacklisted. Just, you're just a citizen. I'm never going to be able to do anything again. Thank you both. <laughs> Don yeah. pointed out that if I were a member of the Pants family, uh, officially at this point, I would be ineligible for the marquee. So that's now the master plan. Win the marquee, go on uh, Barbagain show, meet Dave, and mm. uh, and and then I become a, an employee. Uh, but they still send me the marquee. So that's the plan now, boys. So we can manifest that. <laughs> Give me one second. Okay. You get, um, Don, the, uh, you're going to love the podcast with, uh, Dan Flaherty. Holy cow. Yeah, I, said, I, I, I liked him in, in SCTV. Yeah. Um, I, that's, I get the joke now. Yeah. There you go. I was actually, uh, going to look to see if it spells it the same way as Joe Flaherty, but I didn't get a chance to. I think it is. No, I don't think it is. Oh, it isn't. Glare. There's the oh, album. Here we go. Hindu love gods. Little glare. Yikes. There it is. No, no, no. I see it. I see it. So, yep. It's, it's of course, available for streaming as well. But 
Oh, there and Don's showing us that the Raspberry Beret performance is available somewhere. Oh, hey, look, there's us. Wow, that's cool. Trippy. That is very trippy. Oh, you know what the ten the ten is? He's working on the compilation. Look at this. Oh, not oh, there it is. Look at that it's handsome a great devil too. Wait, you're gonna love that podcast with with uh, with him. It's uh, I so highly is recommend. Adam number ninety six. At this point here, uh, no, ninety six just came out, didn't it? Wasn't that Tim Kennedy? No, I think Tim's ninety four. Hmm. You don't even know, do you? I thought it was. Not, I thought it. Uh, no, this is episode one hundred. <laughs> Congratulations! Everybody. Oh God! Surprise! <laughs> We've done it. Surprise! Uh, Janice Panino is uh, ready to come out. Um, is she this ever? one. This one. Um, what's that? Oh yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Uh, Tim is ninety six. Yeah, so this is probably going to be ninety seven. She's going to probably cool. be ninety eight. Um, and. If I get Darlene Love, and what about, Marilyn... da what about Daniel Flattery? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not sure when. Oh, he might be like 101. He, yeah, he's the, big, he's the big get you've been teasing. Well, and and the cool <laughs> thing is the video that I showed will it whet the appetite for it. And if I don't release it for a month because of holidays and because of you know if Darlene Love comes on, um, and and the, and the compilation, of course, right? Like I, I'll time it. There's a chance the first compilation comes out on Christmas Eve. That's pretty cool. Because if yeah, that was the case, no compilation. Okay. Because um, the <laughs> week before, I would air Darlene, and people could enjoy it for all of the kind of build up to Christmas, and then the compilation comes out on the twenty fourth. But if you don't get Darlene, then you'll then you'll stick at uh, uh, Daniel in there. I have the option to do that. Yeah, and yeah. I might have Pat Farmer before then as well. And if I have Pat Farmer, then he'll he might be the first episode after, depending on how many of the compilations are. Um, that's so that's a good one. Can I mention the, the guy that you're trying to get and you can't they contacted, or is that is that off limits? You can mention it, absolutely. Yeah, Gary. I thought you were gonna Mule say Deer. the other one. Uh Gary Mule Deer is coming on the show. We've just uh gotta figure out I, he and I are gonna do a phone call. Um I'm not telling tales out of school. His uh, documentary talks about this. He's he's fighting prostate cancer right now. Mm. And he went for a scan today. Otherwise, we were going to be talking on the phone about when we're going to get him on there. He is technologically challenged and funny as, oh, my God, Gary Muldeer is so funny. His uh, documentary, you got to watch it. It's incredible. Dave's in it, but watch it outside of that. doesn't matter. It's so, so good. And Gary is amazing. He's going to be coming on the Letterman podcast, but he is technologically challenged. So he's going to get it done at the Grand Ole Opry because they help him out with stuff like that because he's a Hall of Fame Grand Ole Opry guy that a lot of people don't know. So when he does the episode of the Letterman podcast, that's where he's going to be on location from. And I want to figure out how to do text on screen so I can put on location from... Uh, um, anyway, it doesn't matter. And again, you, can, you can always ask Al Chez to help you out. I, uh, I, I, you know, I'm always open to Mr. Chez. Al Chez, if you want to help us out, you, you go ahead. Uh, he has been, oddly enough, well, David Letterman and Meryl Marco, probably the most elusive. The second most elusive uh, uh, would be would be Al Chez. He keeps saying he's going to do it, and then he doesn't do it. And he keeps saying he's going to do it, and he doesn't do it. So, you know, Bill one Schaff? day we'll get him on here. Is Bill Schaff, Jordan Zivon, they they won't show up. Jordan's speaking coming. Of Mar speaking We've of got Meryl Jordan. Marco, 
Yeah. Um, well, I've Jordan tried. almost and... did a podcast with Meryl Marco. That's something we tried to do a couple years ago. <laughs> Have you seen out. Meryl's uh, pictures of, of her and Warren uh, uh, putt-putting? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Do you know when? Do you, have a, do you have a date for that? Uh, I'm going to say roughly 93 or 94. I'm sure I'm wrong. I'll find out, though. But you're yeah, the Warren probably guy. Around there. You, you, you have to know this stuff. Yeah. Rob Stover just said, you're getting Gary Mule deer. That man is a gem. He sure is, buddy. Yeah, pretty pretty excited. And hi to Rob Stover, uh, another former guest of the Letterman podcast. And I'm um, in the credits, too. Yeah, you certainly yeah. are. And, right and below, I got to tell you. Right, right below Chris Elliott. That, that's, yep. the, that's the fun part. And I got to tell you. Well, that's fantastic. Absolutely. Um, the footage you either gave them or the footage they found, they used a significant filter uh, to, to, to make to make it HD or, or, or at least to raise the quality of it. And it, I have never seen late night footage that looked so good. And also early Letterman, he, they, the, the one about the diametrically opposed to, uh, um, you know, lawn ornaments, uh, that one mm. beautiful. It looks high definition. Um, yeah, but I'm so sure they, they, I'm sure they got that from NBC because um, they would not have put up stuff. I sent them. Maybe. I mean, I don't yeah. know. There's, there's some, if they if it is there's some incredible cleaning softwares um but anyway yeah it was cool seeing your name on it it's 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 so good and and gary's amazing and if you remember the guy who shot i think there's a lot of folks in the letterman world who'd be like okay but remember the comic who came on who shot arrows from his guitar strings um oh that guy you know there's a lot of that out there for him and which is one of the reasons that the doc is so compelling it's really good um, so Adam, what, what are you going to do with all these cassettes? Um, I, 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 I remember, I, I heard you all talking about it, but at this stage, you're simply just storing it right now. It's figuring out what's on the cassettes. Yeah. Um, as I stated, I've about 112 or so that I've listened to, and there's another 70 or so to go, um, to Mike's point, we have ADATs and DAT tapes we're listening to now. And the idea is it could be used for something in the future, whether it be an expanded version of one of the albums or maybe a standalone live release. Um, you know, we're, we're not looking at doing like another unreleased or alternative version album. That's kind of already been done with the album called Preludes. Um, mm -hmm. That was done in 2007. So it's just kind of taking stock of what we have um, and what value that has. Um, so we're kind of discovering that as we go along. And the well, idea is we find something that's worthwhile. And and you will. I mean, I I have no doubt you're going to find some gems. Yep. We have um, already. I have already. It's how are you, how are you digitizing them? Um, so an outside company was hired um, to to a professional company to digitize them in ninety six twenty four quality. Mm -hmm. Um, so they're audio files currently. So you, you don't know how they're doing it. Just that, that you pet you. I, I don't. I'm not an audio engineer. Can I ask um, you a question? Would that be like a like a CD quality, like a FLAC file? Would it be that good a quality? Yeah, um, ninety six twenty four cool. would be Blu ray or DVD quality. God damn, um, that sounds. CD appealing. is forty four point one, um, so this would be over double that. This would be ninety six. Okay, but but the cassettes themselves, they're they're like what it uh, 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 one and seven eighths. IPS. Yeah, standard cassette or fifteen sixteenths. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And again, some of them are soundboards, some of them are mixed downs, some of them are actually used for four track recording, which you can do with a cassette, which 
I don't mm -hmm. recommend. It doesn't sound great, but I think just for demo purposes. Oh, so sure. We've, yeah. um, we've been working on mixing those down and seeing if there's anything worthwhile, too. No, my, my buddy Tad and I, we would record stuff on a, on a four-track cassette machine. Mm -hmm. That that went yeah. at the incredible speed of three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sound well, quality is amazing, but for demoing purposes, it's yeah. it's fine. I was going to ask, I was going to say something. Um, uh, damn. It'll, it, it won't come to me again because I'm old. <laughs> it's gone. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's really high quality. Like, like so with a soundboard, would it vary from soundboard to soundboard, or 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 would the audience ever be a part of it at all? Um, or is it just the soundboard? You're only getting what went through the mics and the monitors, and you're getting very little crowd, or is it a little bit of both? Um, I'd say probably very little crowd because the crowd wasn't mic'd. Yeah, um, it'll just be direct instruments. You can hear a crowd. Um, I think the one thing that the the two current Warren Zevon live albums that are out now, um, there's one from 1980 um, called Stand in the Fire, and there's one from which, is, which was impossible to find back then. It was, yeah, yeah. and um, yeah, I think it was released on CD in 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. um, it's fantastic. Um, then there's a, like an acoustic solo. Uh, album called learning to flinch from 93 mm -hmm. um the one thing both those albums are missing are warren's um interactions with the audience and him talking with the audience and and he's right. funny um and charming and you kind of miss some of that on those albums and i think that's one of the advantages to what we have on these tapes it'll be nice to get some of that out because there's some really fun interactions with the crowd and get that live setting and you can hear the crowd react to it. Um, even are, are there any reel-to-reels? Uh, uh, -reels? Not that I have. Um, mm -hmm. I'll say this. I know that Jordan has storage spaces with an ungodly amount of stuff. And it could be a mixture of reel-to-reel -reel and cassettes and CDs. There's acetates. Yes, Mike? <laughs> are there any Warren Zevon tour t-shirts? So at the time, <laughs> yes. And one of the things I was going to talk about today is we are working on getting an official uh, web store open for the website. Excellent. And we want to get t-shirts and turntable mats and buttons, and posters. And um, we're, I don't say we're in the beginning stages of doing that. We're, we're past that. Um, we, we think we have the guy, we have the company. We, yeah. we, we think we're going to see that in the next few months. And it would be nice to be able to replicate those things. Um, and <laughs> like the Foo Fighters shirt. It'll be nice to replicate those and get them re-released um, in some format. Yeah, I hear you, but I'm telling you this: you, uh, your buddy Don and your buddy Mike would love uh, if you come across one in one of these uh, storage facilities. You come across a couple of larges, we'll take them. We'll take them off your hands. Uh, how cool want... would it be? How cool would it be to have a vintage tour Warren Zevon shirt? That is like that's that deep. Be awesome. That's lore. For someone who hates Dylan, forget it. I don't want it. <laughs> I remember what I was going to ask you. Um, yes, uh, you, you were talking about the. Uh, you don't even know if the master tapes even exist anymore. Um, so, do you, do you know or do you not know if any of them might have been stored in that giant facility that burned down? Oh, the the fire. Oh, oh I, God! I, right, and that was quite a few years. What ten years ago? Or so now, I don't believe any of them were stored there. Um, I think. For the Asylum albums, I think Rhino and Warner has all of those albums properly stored 
Um, I know for a fact they have the stereo masters um, because one was just used for an excitable boy release this year. Uh, Mobile Fidelity Sound Labs did a super audio CD and a two LP version of that album. So the Warner stuff is in good shape. Um, Universal, I have no clue. Um, you're free freezing. Well, can you I hear it. it? I Sorry. hear it all. It's it's all coming through on this end. Okay. Right. Um, the Artemis albums, which is what we're going to talk about for our project coming out, that got really tricky. Um, Artemis um, did the last three albums. So that's Life Will Kill You, My Rides Here, and The Wind. And when Artemis dissolved, a lot of that stuff disappeared. So multi-tracks gone, hmm. masters gone, the artwork gone. Um, the nice thing is, for some of this, we have a happy ending to it, um, which we'll talk about this product that's going to be coming out, hopefully. Um, but but we don't know what happened to it. And we think it was either liquidated, someone took it home with them, or it was destroyed. And we're all kind of leaning towards that it was probably destroyed. Hmm. <laughs> so, I have another question. Insane. Yes. Have uh, Would you guys be open to the idea of Pants doing a documentary on Warren Zevon? Um, that's that's not for me to decide. Um, I will say that there is work on documentary taking place now. Um, awesome. It's something I it's something I can't talk about a whole lot. And the only reason I will mention it is because Jordan mentioned it in an interview earlier this year. Okay. Um, here's again, we're doing this is you know, it's an excuse to hang out. That's all this is an excuse to hang out, but it is prep for Jordan. Can I ask that uh -huh. question? Yeah, absolutely. Because okay. he brought okay. it up before in an interview. So sure. Perfect. Okay, perfect. Because I want to talk the, about that if possible, if we can. The VH1 uh, uh, profile on, on Warren. Yep. Uh, that's on it, YouTube, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I've seen okay. that. That's that's very good. Is there other footage that you have of that? Or that's available if you don't have it? The only thing that I'm aware of is available. So there's a, a bonus section on that DVD where they do a full extended interview with Warren mm -hmm. um, from his apartment. Um, like anything else yeah it is raw footage yeah. um, of his interview and some of it okay. i don't think there's even video to it i think it's just raw audio um so that's all i'm aware of that still exists i think that was okay. all helmed by um the folks of vh1 so i think all the ownership for all that stuff falls on them so right. anything that's available they would still have they did some um, good stuff back in the 90s and 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 whatnot when they were kind of i don't know if they were a rival to mtv or whatever but Pop up video company. is is it real? Yeah. So mm -hmm. there you go. Um I think is it all Viacom Don? I think it was Viacom. VH1 is that. Viacom, I believe. Uh tell me what what's the address of those storage places? <laughs> Classified. <laughs> Classified. I want that sign, Don. I can't. I I I I'm not allowed to even uh, uh, be in it, participate in it. I know you're not. That's that, that that that's that leaves it for me free and clear. I uh oh god, I want it so bad. It'll only fit in one spot in my garage and it'll take up an entire wall. Like I'll literally be parking my vehicle beside it. The I'm car gonna, will be outside. I'm gonna put well the car the truck the Bronco will fit in, but um I mean I'll have to drive it out, but it is a gigantic sign. It would be behind I could shoot videos up against it and it would be so funny. Um so anyway, yeah. yeah. You're not even going to find a, a truck that could that could handle it. Dave's taking care of that. Dave gets it to you. He says it in the video. So uh, you know, 
Um, yeah, but, and, but under 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 his breath, he says uh, all expenses, you know, except that's right. In other words, <laughs> the rest goes to Habitat, but the expenses come out first. And that goes, yeah, it's smart. That's it's and and it's uh, oh, anyway, I want that thing. All right. I don't know. We done? Is there any? No, we got more. No, we got more. I, I, we need, we need the more, Adam. Let's let's bring it up. Let's uh, let's talk about one of the reasons that we're here. Well, we're working on a new project. Um, the project name for it is Epilogue. Um, that's potentially the name for this box set. I think that's what we're going to go with. Yes. Um, it's going to be a collection of the last three albums, um, which I just mentioned earlier. Um, Life Will Kill You from 2000. Um, My Ride's Here from 2002. And the final album, The Wind from 2003. Um, we're going to have some bonus material on there, um, depending on what we find. Um, so far, we've found some good stuff. Um, from aforementioned uh, DAT tapes and ADAT tapes um, and some other sources. Um, we're hoping to get some live material on there. And thanks to the uh, podcast host that we're talking to, um, we made some inroads with Worldwide Pants, and we're hoping to include some audio from Warren's final performance on Letterman, hopefully all three tracks. Um, yeah. Again, the lawyers are dealing with this now, so mm -hmm. lawyers are, everything's in motion. Um, but the Where's good thing, Jimmy everyone, when you need them, that's right. But the good thing is, everyone has been keen and helpful, and we're trying to get this worked out because, again, yeah. um, those albums were on Artemis. Um, the the ownership for that went to a company called Entertainment One, and then it went to a company now called MNRK, um, which is stylized for Monarch. And then we have another company called Shift from Store that actually physically releases them. So we're working through the logistics of that. Um, in addition, um, Warren performed in this time period. Um, two other songs on uh, The Late Show. Um, he did Porcelain Monkey and the hockey song, Hit Somebody, yep. um, which again, Paul does the Hit Somebody part. And um, Warren's son, Jordan, performs on stage with him too for that I song that. in the background. I want that. Driving to the um, gym tomorrow in my Bronco. That is such and, a, I and want And then that. in addition, Worldwide Pants also owns the rights to The Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn. Uh, Warren performed on that show twice in this time period. Um, he did what songs? Miguel uh, Cuddy's Reeks and I Was in the House When the House Burned Down. Hmm. And we'd really like to get those too. So we don't know how that's all going to work out. We don't know if we can get all the songs, but we definitely like to have that last performance um, yep. be a part of the set if possible. Yep. Um, we're hoping to find um, in our own collection. Um, some live shows from that period and we have a couple studio outtakes um to go with that um as i said we've had issues having um access to masters mm -hmm. um so for life will kill you the, the best thing we have right now is the um the master that's used to produce the cd um i think that master is slightly above cd quality um right so there's not much we can do with that yep um we do have a crew of folks we do still have the audio files um, and some archaic form of, um, oh, I just lost my train of thought. What's the audio program? Um, Pro Tools. Oh, um, oh, oh, okay. So we have that converted from the sessions and um, you're going to be getting hopefully a new remaster of My Rides Here and we just remastered The Wind for vinyl. Um, so all those will be available CD with bonus tracks. Um, and I'm currently designing a... Um, a nice deluxe book to hopefully go along with it. 
um, that's going to the be the mock-ups hopefully... you've shown me are amazing. Oh, Was there you. any release date? No, we're still working on it. <laughs> is, is that, um, and, and and you and you, that's what I was looking for the uh, the script for the, uh, the the October thirty show. Yes. So the idea is we'd like to do a deluxe box set, like you know the Who or the Rolling Stones or Queen or the Beatles do. You yeah. get your book, you know your eighty page book or however it happens to be, your CDs, and then you know some memorabilia, some posters uh, from the time or tickets. And what I asked Don for was the script for um, Warren's appearance on the uh, the Late Show for his final appearance. Yeah. It'd be I mean, nice to have a facsimile of that. I, but, I know I have it. Uh, I've I've got three boxes that I was looking through while you were all gabbing, and and it wasn't there, but, <laughs> but I know I have it. Um, but, and the, the nice um, thing is, um, Mike put me in touch with Walter Kim, who's helping us out with this, and don't know um, the name. Don't know Walter. <laughs> Yeah, he he seemed like a jerk, really. No, Walter was a real good guy. He's helping <laughs> us out. And um, the nice thing is everyone wants this to happen, and we're working towards making it happen. Yeah, um, We don't have a release date because we're still working on it, um, yeah. but we have a good bit of work done, and we're hoping that this is something that will come out. And if it does well, we'll see a vinyl version, hopefully. Yeah, but if you – yeah, if you – if if Walter <clears throat> – I think the odds are better if Walter found the script. And, and Walter and said that they are in a storage facility in Jersey. Or yeah. By the way, yeah. am, I, am I giving away trade secrets here? No, no, but no. I'm, while I'm thank you access. for bringing this up, because while I'm pitching pants all these uh, ideas tonight, uh, I'm going to send this to Walter. I'm going to say, hey, can you watch this? We so got a bunch of ideas and stuff and, and and things. Yeah, but 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 Walter's a big Dylan fan, and that's going to like you know, <laughs> oh, that's going to boost me over. I want to I want to do an episode where I go through the storage facility. Yeah, uh, good luck with that. I know. Good luck with that. Can oh, you imagine? With with, with, uh, with Jordans or Dave's? No, Both. Dave's. <laughs> Dave's. Um, uh, Warren was on uh, uh, Ferguson uh, February 17, 2000, and, and June 28, 2002. Wow. Kilborn, you mean? Yeah, Kilborn. That'd be Wow. Jordan... Jordan was playing with the Wallflowers when they did uh, Lawyers Gun and Money on. Yep. Yep. Uh, Jordan was on four uh, times. Yeah, pretty much two, two years later, uh, October twelfth, two thousand four. Yeah. And then Searching for a Heart on uh, March uh, June seven oh seven. Yep. That you know a question that I don't. Album. Pardon me. Oh, that was sorry, to I the Preludes album. Um, yeah. And, and his sorry, last Mike. appearance ahead, was uh, no, no. April of oh eight when he did uh, the Jokes on Me. Yep, from mm-hmm. his um, his solo album. Okay, great album by the way. It's streaming right now too. If anyone's interested. Um, with the Wallflowers, are those Letterman performances up online? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yep, they can be found. So people should be going and looking for all of this stuff here. Um, I want that book, and uh. Man, the mock-ups. Oh, that's the question I was going to ask you, Adam. Is it possible to get those mock-ups uh, out there, or are they like, no, no, never, never, no. never, not gonna? Okay. No. Uh, and and everybody, he got permission to show me this stuff, and 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 when we have Jordan on, that might be something that maybe he wants to share, or or we can at least talk about uh, the theme or whatever. I, I, it's so beautiful and and uh, a great, oh, in, in in some ways, a great entry point. For someone to jump into Zevon uh, it with a high quality way, um, and and with both feet. The idea of the project kind of came from um, 
the last, there's been a couple compilations, but the two disc compilation um, called I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, hmm. um, it ends after Mutineer. And this is kind of everything after Mutineer. So it kind of fills in that gap really well. Um, mm -hmm. We would love to do a career-spanning compilation again. Um, again, it, that's complicated, though, in terms of streaming rights and physical rights and, and all that stuff. So um, if anyone is interested... Me, in, me, yeah. No, no, I'm, please finish. I'm sorry. I was going to say, if anyone is interested in getting into Zvon, um, there's a Spotify playlist that I made. It's the official Zvon playlist. Um, it's called Draw Blood. It's 40 tracks um, curated by me, and it's kind of what I would see as a good compilation. Um, and honestly, the tracks I picked the day I did it would be different than the tracks I would pick today, and it would probably be different than the tracks I'd pick tomorrow. But mm -hmm. I think it's a good starting point for anyone interested in hearing his main songs. Adam, I, I got to ask you again. To, you got to officially curate a Warren <laughs> It's Zivon a Spotify playlist. Let's not go crazy here. I hear you. I'm just saying, dream come true. It was a cool day to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, 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 God, I hope that I can be tapped one day to help. I mean, Don, I mean, obviously you're working there or consulting there, whatever you, whatever your arrangement is, you know, I, I have no idea what kind of an arrangement. Uh, I'll also say this concerning the uh, epilogue project. You know, if we end up yep. not being able to use, you know, Letterman tracks or, or what have you, um, or, we st we're still going to do some sort of release with those three albums collected. Um, yeah. But the, the idea to use the Letterman stuff was was high on our list. Oh. We would love to be able to include that. Wouldn't it be cool um, if somehow, some way, there could be a My Next guest and Jordan is the guest in something and it becomes a thing? I mean, I'm just throwing that out there. There's some, there's some pretty cool possibilities that we could do. Because I still want this guy in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I think that there's a sentiment for that. If we did something to make it really uber relevant again uh that would be a you know shot in the arm for that endeavor wouldn't it the, the hall of fame was very interesting this year and that it created a lot of awareness about his music um of course billy joel helped with that um, i think it was a, an article in the la times where he kind of advocated for warren to get inducted which was very yeah. nice of billy to do um but i have access to the streaming numbers and all that stuff and it was really interesting to see the interest in his catalog increase um, with the extra notoriety and the, the press, um, Jordan and I and I started a kind of a ground roots Facebook and social media campaign to to really get the word out there. And we got him to number three in the popular vote behind George Michael and Cindy Lauper. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. Um, of course, we'd love to see him go in. Um, it didn't happen this year. I think there's I think there's a lot of good reasons why that didn't happen. Um, yeah. Well, you know, I think George Michael's the I think George uh, Michael's the headliner, as he should be, as the main yeah. person this year. Yeah. But it gets to a point that you can't induct three or four people that have passed away in the same year. It gets kind of depressing. So we're hoping for another year, but we're running out of years. I think there's a category there for somebody who's been gone for a long time, but it's it's one of those ones. Like I think that you could have a, you could have three of those uh, a ceremony and not bump bump into each other because I mean you do one for every genre. <laughs> Gosh, you could do it for a hip hop, a a country, and 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 a, a Americana, which I think I would. That's how I would categorize Warren as Americana. What you got there, Don? Here's, the, here's that the, picture. Uh, here's here's the, the the Dan Daniel Allison uh, uh, picture that he took. This is in the uh, research department in I guess '95, and she's holding a Warren a stack she's of Warren Zevon so CDs. What I did is 
There yeah. it is Mutineer. right there. That's Mutineer. Yep, from 95. And, and by the way, any ver- time that he plays Mutineer, the way he played it on Dave, the quiet version of it with just the piano, I don't know how many times he did that, but that's my favorite. I, I like that so much better than the original. He also performed it on the John Stewart show, um, the syndicated version of the St- John Stewart show after he left MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth checking out too. Um, the, 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 the Kilborn performances, um, hmm. you, uh, uh, how are you going to access them or have you already? We haven't yet. We would assume all that would still be owned by worldwide pants. So it would be hopefully wherever the, the Letterman, uh, late show library would be. I yeah, like to do a podcast be. featuring that as well. I, I don't know if they've digitized Kilborn yet. Okay. Uh, they may have, but it's, uh, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think uh, as of two years ago, they had not. Um, I assume uh, that's probably not a priority either. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I know. I, I taped all the Kilborn, so I have it. Uh, but, but, but it's on VHS, you know, and it's probably a mono too. Um, Do we? Uh, I'm going to change the subject. I apologize. Yeah. Do we know Ferguson's coming back? Right. Is this the first you're hearing of it? Ferguson yeah. coming back? Coming back to what? Uh, I believe syndicated late night. Syndicated? Really? Yeah. He's going to make a play syndication late night. That's what I had heard. I read it in a couple different places. Um, you know, I, I probably maybe should have Googled it before bringing it up again, but screw it. We're just, uh, I could be wrong. And I'm not Kilborn affiliated with attempted Pants, to come back too. He had I'd a, like uh, to be even when I'm wrong. Syndicated version. Kilborn attempted to come back too. I think it was yeah. syndicated around mm-hmm. the LA area. I think it was was called the Fact File or yeah. something like that. Where yeah, and he Kilburn still has a podcast, I think. Yeah, he does. Yeah. I know it's not a popular opinion, and I know Peter LaSalle does not agree with this, but I really like the uh, Craig Kilborn version of The Late Late Show. I liked his, uh, I would say, character, but I think it was pretty pretty much him. I, I liked the, the aura he had on TV. I thought he was really funny. We had their Not EP on everyone, our show. But... It's amazing how 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 we're alike. <laughs> <laughs> we both love Dylan and we both love Kilborn, right? <laughs> <laughs> we can all agree that Ferguson did a great job, though. I think. Oh, yeah, I yeah. love him. I liked him. Loved him so much. I love those puppets. Those puppets made me so happy. Amazing. Oh my god! I just because yeah. again, he's throwing in a little bit of Mister Rogers into it, and 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 uh, um, that's amazing. It, just with his own spin, of course. I love the musical openings. Oh my God. I love the musical openings on Craig Ferguson. Um, I'll, I'll see, I'll see if I can dig these up. Dig, dig these since, out. They, since they we're might spitballing. Be... Oh, sorry. Doc. Go ahead. I didn't mean to. No, no uh, the Kilborn stuff. <clears throat> I'll see if I can dig them out. Um, and, and I mean that literally because it's buried. <laughs> Speaking of the Late Late Show. Yeah. Um, and we brought Tom Snyder earlier. I remember a few years ago. I was reading an interview where they were doing a Tom Snyder documentary called Tom Who. Is that still a thing? Is that know? the one that Annie is a part of? Yes. There is an incarnation of that. And I'm, I can't say how much of it is close to that versus how much of it has completely changed. Uh, there is still a project that is, I, I'm waiting to have Annie on here. We've, we've, we've actually booked times a couple of times and it just, the timing's not right yet. I think it's pretty close. And that's one of the things she's going to talk about when she comes on Good. here. So. So yeah, uh, definitely in the works to talk about that. And I mean, again, as we're assembling a 
you know, a nucleus of a group that potentially could be like, she's a, she's another one that would be a part of that. I think. Um, I, I signed an NDA, so I can't say anything. <laughs> and you're not lying. <laughs> and it's annoying. You have no idea how many times when we're talking that actually comes up. I can't talk yeah, about Gabe, that. Gabe mentioned it once or twice. <laughs> That's a good sign though. <laughs> um, okay. How are we doing here? This is like, what two, is this two, two hours? Three. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a long time. We're going Rogan style. I love gone. it. Um, okay. Yeah, we're going to finish. <laughs> we're going to finish up here. I'm going to, I'm going to play. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to play all my Dylan songs. Good for you, buddy. Perfect. I'm going to be playing some more Beatles tonight. That now and then is like, I I'm in love with that song. I want to learn it and play it on my guitar. I love it so much. I, I you listen oh to the God. fully remixed red and blue albums yet. No, I, 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 it just arrived today. I haven't watched either. I haven't, I haven't listened to either of them and, and, and there are no details in the liner notes. Are they it's, streaming? Really? Mm-hmm. They're streaming. Okay. So well, I know what I'm doing when I've everything. done this. I'm going to, so, especially those, the, the, the early songs are typically in mono or if they are in stereo, the, the vocals were in one channel and everything else was hard right. in the other channel. Right. So do they you know, use that technology. You, Go ahead, Don. Yeah, I mean, do, do you know if let's say Love Me Do, if, if, if that was uh, 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 Peter Jackson? Yes, they all were. All okay. of the songs were Peter Jackson and they've been remixed into stereo. Um, okay, yeah. So Holy shit. Pretty successful. Gonna, and the White Album is a part of this? The White Album has already been remixed um, right. into stereo from the original Master Tapes. And that came out in, I don't know, 2018, give or take a few years. Sergeant Peppers was too, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> Revolver and On have all been uh, uh, yes, released correct. with Deluxe. Revolver deluxe came out deluxe. last year, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, uh, this new song is just absolutely bonkers to me. I just can't believe it. And, and the video for it makes you cry. Holy smokes. And it's funny. Uh, I recommend this to folks who, who might want to get into the Beatles. If now and then is an access point, <laughs> then go back to 94 when they did free as a bird and watch that video as well. And I love knowing that this version of a, a remastered or re revitalized Beatles song is with AI and it cleans it up. The one in 94 with free as a bird not so much. It sounded like you were coming from a tape and it was it it and it has a charm to it. If you watch the video for free as a bird, I think you'll have a new appreciation for it. And it's a fantastic access point for people who want to get into the Beatles. The um, meticulousness that Jeff Lynn had for those two tracks yeah. um, for the anthology series is incredible. Yep. Um, it's Absolutely. amazing it was able to happen at all. Yep. So yeah, I'm, but- I'm surprised they didn't remix them. Uh, for this uh, project, they, they, they came they came off as Jeff Lynn um, uh, tracks. They did, especially <laughs> the drum sounds. But you know, yeah. I mean, Jeff, Still good, Jeff Lynn has been stuck with the uh, the Warriors era, so yeah, and never quite grew out of that. <laughs> but of course, I know what I'm talking about. You do. You're a big. No, I don't. I don't I, I'm making it up. It's <laughs> coming from a Dylan fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There it is. Holy crap. This has been one of the coolest Letterman podcasts ever. Um, oh, there's the Red Album. Yeah, there hey. we go. Hey. They just arrived today. Pardon me? Those are the new versions? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, I I double checked to make sure uh, the copyright said 2023, then not uh, 1940. The um, artwork on the streaming platforms actually has 2023 on it. So if you go looking for it, Mike, you'll you'll see it. And, as soon as and this of course, is done, I'm going to dive into some Beatles tonight. This is going to be great. It's fun to compare to the originals too, and you know everyone yeah. will debate, you know, until the end of time whether it's better or not better. But we're still listening to it, so absolutely, if they did something absolutely. right. Uh, there, yeah. there are seven tracks from the White Album that that are on that are on here. Right. Oh, that's right. They expanded it, didn't they? Both album, both uh, are expanded from the original. Is Revolution issue. number nine one of them? Uh, uh, the single version so. of Revolution is on there. Not, not on, not on here. Just, the, I think, just the single. Yeah, the single version is not the single, nine. not number nine, not the, right, not the not version the that one. I like to eat a, a, a piece of candy, that is legal <laughs> up here in Canada, and there's the one right there. That's one of my, yeah, <laughs> that's, a, that's an entry point to another dimension. I think. Um, man, this has been so much fun. What else? Anything else before we? I'm and I'm open. I mean, I'm whatever like we're roganing this. this is the first time i've ever done this i think it's got to be one part it's just us i love uh, this let me see so much there's anything else there is a couple things we'll try to sell some things before i leave yeah <laughs> um, excitable boy is available from the mobile fidelity sound lab on two lp vinyl and super audio cd from the master tapes directly um, are, are vinyl selling i know there, yeah. there's a market but is it is it a big market I think there's a high margin. I think that's really what it comes down to. And awesome. it's enough of a margin that people will pay for it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they sell vinyl at Walmart. There's, you know, the eight or 12 foot section there. So if it's selling there and there's enough margin, sure. Yeah. I'm, uh, um, I'm right severely back. limited right now. I'm severely limited. My, my, my ability to spend the way I like to spend sometimes. Um, but the moment, like my wife, she's building the men's mental wellness app. He changed it. And uh, go to hechangedit.com to find out what my wife and her amazing team are doing. She's now changing the world. Things. She's changing the world. And I'm talking about David Letterman and all of the people that worked for him. Um, I uh, I married up. Anyway, when that thing blows up and I have like near unlimited income, I am building the biggest vinyl collection on the biggest tube amp, amazing setup. <laughs> And I am going to like devote a room to it. It'll probably be the same room my studio's in. And on the other end of it will be like a vinyl central because all the soundproofing on the walls and all that stuff. And I, I'm excited about that. And Warren Zevon, I'll have everything that he uh, he has in vinyl. Don, what do you have there? Don's doing show and tell. Um, this is the revolver that, that came that, that I got from a uh, some sort of, I forget what outlet released this. Is the track listing different, or is it just different art? Well, here's here's what's the, what's the fun part. Let me see if I can get this. I have that too. I'll be back. Yeah. No. Well, look how revolver is spelled. Yeah. Yes, it's spelled wrong. It's got a spelling error on it. Yeah. I'm curious if uh, if if uh, Adams will have the spelling error as well. You better not. Oh man, this is like <laughs> the most hard hitting podcast we've ever done. It's unbelievable. I love this. I fucking love this so much. Is it spelled wrong? Copy. Is it spelled wrong? No. Yeah. No. But this. This is. Uh. Yeah. Check. Check the the spine. Check the spine. Look at Don's spine. Yeah. I think that's Apple's version. Oh. Okay. Show. Show. uh, Adam yours again, Don. Uh. 
Where is here we go? Oh, look at that. Isn't that amazing? Whew. Someone God, got the I love this stuff. That's that's, that's the uh, Tom Brokaw pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I got a chance to talk to that uh to, to Dan Flaherty. I got a chance to talk to him about Brian Williams today. That made me very, very happy. Brian Williams is like one of my number one guests for the Letterman podcast. I want Brian. I'm sure something else so off that I. Yes. Oh my God. There's a gold album award for the wind. Wow. That's rad. Yeah. So that, that'll be hanging up here shortly. Oh <laughs> my God. That's fantastic, Adam. So you stole that out of the storage area. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's okay. Um, There's a stack of them. They won't miss one. One thing I do want to mention before I go, yeah, um, Shooter Jennings, son of Waylon Jennings, yes, he famously sir. walked out on Tom Snyder. It all comes back around. Um, yeah, he which just I, released... I put up that I put up that show. Yeah, I watched it a couple days ago. It's hilarious. <laughs> nice. nice. Poor Tom has to fill like twenty minutes of airtime. <laughs> yeah, because Laura, Laura uh, Doctor Laura, went over. Yes, it went way over. And if anyone can fill twenty minutes of time, it's Tom Snyder. He did absolutely. Just fine. Um, the anyway, standard. Uh, Waylon's son Shooter Jennings just released a live album called um, "Shooter Jennings and the Werewolves of LA Do Zevon," and it's a live Zevon album. It's available on CD, vinyl, and streaming. Wow. It came out last week. Excellent, and uh, it's fantastic. And no, Excellent. I don't get paid to say that. It's really good. See, I, I'm going to see if I can find something. Hang on, Adam. Are you a YouTube fan? A YouTube fan. Yeah, or like YouTube. YouTube. You uh, no, oh, the YouTube album. the band. The band. I really, really got into YouTube when I was in college. Yep, and um, I, they just kind of fizzled out for me. Gotcha, gotcha. But, not yeah, like Bob I mean, Dylan, where you kind of turned off the. It's not like that. It's just I, uh, no, no, no. Nothing turned me off. I just think they were. It was just. I don't want to say overexposed, but it just seems like you can never get away from YouTube. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's a that's a fair point. Uh, when Actung Baby had its, I want to say, 30th uh, anniversary, they had released the album with every track having a different band do a cover of that oh, track. Oh, like interpret it. Interpret it. And 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 so it was like um, Snow Patrol did, uh, uh, was it With or Without You? I, I, I Anyway, it, it's, a, it's, it's, I would love to see Nine Inch Nails did one. Um, Jack White did Love is Blindness. Like it was spectacular. Cool. Um, would Jack White's great. Oh, he's fantastic. Would there be like a list somewhere if you were to put out a CD like that or a, a, an album like that and a, and, a, and a list of bands to cover Warren songs? Has that ever been discussed? There is a two tribute albums out yeah. um, already. Um, one's called Enjoy Every Sandwich. Um, I think um, Adam Sandler performed Werewolves of London on the Late Show actually to kind of promote it. Um, Don's looking that up now as I speak. <laughs> um it's the and power one of called, this triad and there's one called hurry home early yeah um so those are the two that are officially released it'll be fun to do an another sort of revisiting of that obviously linda ronstadt um early in her career um yep. covered four of warren's songs and that kind of paid the bills for warren for a long time wow um, jason That's isabel performed mutineer on the late yep. show um so uh, it would be fun to do that. Oh, um, Dawes. Dawes is a great band. Um, it was a yeah, web they exclusive. Are. Um, they performed Desperados Under the Eaves. 
um, which was a web exclusive uh, summer, I'll say 2012, 2013, something like that. So it'll be great to have fans like Dawes uh, take part and do things like that. I just want to express to the to, to to the heads of the Warrens, Yvonne Estate and, and Letterman and, and all that. Your next generation's in good hands. We go deep on this stuff. And we care <laughs> deep on this stuff. Holy smokes. This is. I've Don had has s- some information for us. What did you OK, find, let's Don? hear it, Don. Oh, the, the Jason Isbell and uh, uh, is, Isbell or Isabel? I, Isbell. Isbell. And Amanda yeah. Shires did uh, Mutineer on uh, April 24, 2015. So uh, uh, less than a month after the show ended. That was four um, days after my day. I was there on the April 20th. Uh, it's mentioned here. It says here yeah, before Mike. Um, yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't find Adam performing Zivon on, on Letterman. And maybe he was on another show, but. Uh, maybe. I, I, I thought he did Werewolves of London. I know it's part of that, that album. Um, I wonder if it would have been the Tonight Show. Um, oh, oh, there it is. I see it. I, I missed it because he was also uh, promoting a span, Spanish. Uh, oh, Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, December 1504. You're absolutely right. Okay. I, I want, I want to listen to Adam Sandler's song. I want him to come on this show and, Oh, what do we got there? You know, this album, this, this came out in 66. Yeah. Do you have uh, the other cover? This included uh, tracks. This was the American version that included tracks that had been on the British versions of uh, Revolver and I think right. and and Rubber Soul, but if you peel it off, do you have the bit? Oh, you have that cover. Yeah, look at that. This is the butcher's cover. The butcher cover. Uh, I, 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 it cost me two dollars fifty cents to get this. Holy <laughs> wow! And you're talking about That's it in amazing, 2023. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's fantastic. So you know if if uh, I you know I might be able to part with this if you, if you give me the address of the storage area, but you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not seriously, wouldn't it be cool if I had a a camera and I could go through the the Letterman storage unit, the bo- boxes of jackets I would find and all the fun things? Don't you think that'd be fun? I think that'd be fun. That's a that's a different conversation. All right, fair enough. Um, I love both of you guys. This has been amazing, but I'm calling it. All right, I'm calling this has it. Been We're fun. there. Are I'm you sorry it took me? me so I'm sorry it took me so long to get on. No, nah, man, it's okay. It was it was supposed to happen when it was supposed to happen. And uh this has been fantastic. I can't wait to explore more. I can't wait to see my 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 vision is never air, so on. don't worry about it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you hit the record button, right? Um yeah. yes, it's recording. <laughs> <Probably I see. laughs> yeah. yeah. Um Don, when we're done hey. this, check out the the video I put up of 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 uh of Dan Flaherty. It's pretty good. Um on the Facebook. On the I no, I put it up on the YouTube. Just a twelve minute video today. It's a after we finished recording, he started telling me more stories. I'm like, I have to record this, and I turned it on, and he told like three more stories, including when he almost got his face incinerated by a kid from a kid science scientist uh, segment. Um, a kid threw flour and ignited it at the end of a tube, and it came out and almost burnt his face off. Um, we yeah. want that clip. We want the clip if possible, but. Uh, I'm no longer allowed on on uh, YouTube, so I know. I know. Mike, do you have time for one more quick story? Of course. Are you a Star Wars fan? I'm a gigantic Star Wars fan. <laughs> I have Slave One on my arm. Perfect. Yeah. So, here's a quick Zevon related Star Wars story. All right. Did you? 
hey, there it is. We can't call it Slave One anymore. I think it's called the Fire oh, no. Spray or something. It's always called no, no. It's always called Slave One to me. I have it that, in a box. Boba Fett. That's Slave fantastically one. dorky. Wonderful. Yeah, I know, man. I go so hard. quick, I got uh, microphone on my back too. That's awesome. All right, yeah. quick Star Wars. Hey, that's the one. Awesome. So quick Star story. Wars related Zevon story. I, I cannot wait to hear this. A year or two ago on Disney Plus, they released that Industrial Light and Magic documentary. Love it. Um, Absolutely okay. love it. It's great. So I'm there watching it because I love Star Wars. Yeah. And they start talking to this gentleman named Richard Edlin. Yes. And they go through the history of each individual person that started ILM. And I'm yes. just eating up and it's wonderful. Yes. And Richard Edlin starts talking about before he was with Industrial Light and Magic, he took photographs. Um, for rock and roll bands and oh, did covers for rock and roll bands and it's doing the covers i think it's like toto and whoever else and it shows the very first zevon album called wanted dead or alive and i'm like holy crap this guy did like shot the cover for that album so i find his website shoot him an email his assistant gets back to me anyway i say who i am what i'm interested in i like the interviewing yada yada yeah. yada yeah so um, I leave my job, um, my normal job. I pick up my daughter at daycare. My boss had called me and I was talking to my boss. I got off the phone with him. My phone rings again. I assume it's my boss again. So I pick up I'm like, hello, this is Adam. My daughter's in the background yelling and screaming and throwing candy and whatever. And I just hear this voice go. So um, my assistant tells me you want to interview me. And I have no clue who it is. Not, a, not an idea. So I'm you know, trying to drive home and trying to keep my daughter pacified and trying to remember what my boss wanted. Yeah. So I'm just going along with the conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. It'd be really nice to talk. <laughs> he said, well, I heard you want to talk about my friend Warren Zevon. I'm like, yeah, um, I would. He's like, well, uh, my assistant told me you got to hold me in. Um, we can talk next Tuesday. Do you have a pencil and a paper? And I'm in the car. Thankfully, I have a miniature golf pencil from going with my son. Oh, it's such and a perfect out, addition to the story. You have a miniature golf pencil. And, and it's, those it's things perfect dad. It's perfect dad karma. Had I not yep. been a good dad and take my son to miniature golfing, I wouldn't have that pencil. Yeah. So he's like, all right, Richard Edlin. And I'm like, oh, it's the Star Wars guy. So in the meantime, I do all this research on him. Of course, he's part of the Academy of Motion Picture Science and Arts. He did all the Indiana Jones movies and Ghostbusters and Die Hard and, of course, Star Wars. Um, so we set up a time and I interviewed him. I asked maybe three questions and the interview was two hours and it was awesome. And I'm still editing it and it will be up on the website soon. Oh, that's um, fantastic. Yep. So, so, so you recorded it. I recorded it like, like we're doing today. Um, except again, Letterman Podcast Network, Letterman Podcast Network. Look what we so, can Anyway. I'm doing the interview like I am here in the room. Yes. And I, I'm like, I'm not going to talk about Die Hard. I'm not going to talk about Star Wars. I'm not going to be that guy. And uh, we get through all the Zevon stuff and his whole life history. And he has a book. He's a memoirs that he's writing. And um, we talk about some maybe future Zevon stuff. And he says to me, I see your posters on the wall. Do you like Star Wars? Hmm. Like, yeah, I love Star Wars. And he goes into the story of how they shot the opening scene of episode four, the first Star Wars movie. And he describes how the Star Destroyer is going over camera. Yeah. And how George wasn't sure about the shot and did the camera so close that the Star Destroyer was scraping the bottom of the model. 
and you want to talk about freaking out. This guy's just talking about Star Wars and making the movie for about half an hour straight. And I didn't even ask him. It was wonderful. So that'll be coming soon on the website as soon as I'm done editing. it. So I have one hour edited, edited, and I'll get the rest of it hopefully done soon. Don's in editing hell right now, aren't you, buddy? It's, yeah, stop talking about that. Um, <laughs> it, I, if you if you had discussed this earlier, uh, I apologize. What is your normal job? Um, I'm in retail management. I work I'm on the district management team for a retail manager. So that's what I do by day. I, I don't know what that means. It pays the bills. That's what, <laughs> that's what it means. <laughs> okay. I want. Yeah, no, I, I I understand that. I'm gonna use Don's favorite word here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, dude, we gotta manifest that this becomes, we can do this full time and and do some real damage. Uh, when it comes to this this this, uh, this thing that we love doing so much. I know you and I both are just as passionate, regardless if it ever does or doesn't. But how cool would it be if it ever did? Um, I'm so excited to know you, man. And uh, Don, was it, did you want to say one more thing before I close her up? Oh, I, I have an exacto knife. I see it. I see and, it. And. And you used manifest as a verb. Ooh. You're going to cut the Foo Fighter shirt right now, aren't you? Well, that was... Uh, <laughs> I hadn't considered that. I want the Foo <laughs> Fighter shirt. God damn it. Um, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. This has been uh, the longest episode of the Letterman podcast by far, I think um Ooh. that guy is adam unger he's uh warren zevon's guy hopefully that makes sense oh that's don giller uh, if i can real quick yeah i'm always looking for help any zevon collectors who has any who has anything posters yep. uh press kits promo cds any information i could be reached at adam at warrenzevon.com please get a hold of me there it is adam at warrenzevon.com um don giller Go ahead. He was, he was in my apartment, and I taped him uh, uh, playing a whole bunch of uh, new songs that hadn't been released yet. You want that? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sorry. There's no room to sing a song in Don's place. There used to be. <laughs> um, yeah, I no, love you guys. Thank you nice so much. You, nice to meet you, Don. Mike, thanks for having me on. Yeah, love you guys so much. Um, gosh, that was just uh, that was just too much fun. It's so much fun that it shouldn't be legal. I'm so grateful to these guys. Uh, a lot of fun on this episode here. Adam, can't wait to have Jordan Zevon on, but this is a fantastic prelude. And uh, in between now and then, go and, uh, and consume some Warren Zevon stuff. Get into it. And so when we have Jordan on here, um, I don't know, maybe we could do some Q&As or something like that. This has been another episode of the Letterman Podcast with Mike Chisholm. Coincidentally, I am Mike Chisholm. Thank you and good night overcoat and underpants.